Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Random Tile Podcast, our first episode of 2014. And to celebrate the new year, we're, we've been doing some partying. Or, well, Mario partying. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode of the show, which we're calling Party Time, appropriately enough, uh, we'll be sharing impressions of Mario Party Island Tour for the 3DS, as well as a game that involves a completely different type of party, the upcoming RPG Bravely Default, which is out next month. So we have impressions of both of those games, as well as impressions of two Wii U eShop titles, uh, Wii Sports Club Golf, and the latest from Toki Tori developer Two Tribes, Rush. So all that's coming up later in the show, but of course to kick things off, as we always do, we have news. And you would think in the last couple weeks, you know, the holidays are over, maybe news is picking up. But I guess Nintendo decided to do all their big news during the holidays, as our last two episodes showed. So it was a bit of a lull, but there's still some interesting new things to, to find out about, specifically at the tail end of the week that just passed. So we have some uh, 3DS news to discuss, some new game information. We have new details on Super Smash Brothers, including a new playable character. And we're going to be assessing the current state of the indie, sh- indie scene on the eShop in light of the recent news that uh, Two Tribes, the guys I just mentioned as the Rush developers, recently had to reboot themselves. Uh, in other thing? words, bank... What? Is that a bad thing? They basically declared bankruptcy and then reemerged as a smaller developer making smaller games. Ooh, and they, as we know, they're pretty heavy Nintendo support. So why, so what went wrong? We're going to, you know, talk about that. Pretty much they have a finger to point. You could say that. Yes. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we're, we're going to look at that and then see what that means about the eShop in general. Because it kind of made, got me thinking at least about, like, where the indie, what the indie situation is right now. So that's all coming up in the show. Um, as always, we have timestamps at ramtown.com under episode 61, Party Time. So you can jump to the topics that most interest you. Or just... Stick around for the whole ride. So, uh, yeah, I guess let's begin with that 3DS news. There's actually, there's some cool stuff that's announced. So, um, yeah, just this past week, like literally the last possible day of the week on Friday, Nintendo made a couple brief announcements uh, regarding what's coming to the 3DS between now and spring. So there was no, it was weird because there was no real fanfare. They didn't have a Nintendo Direct. They didn't, you know, do anything. You can't even find this information on their website currently. Like it's only it's on their press site, but if you go to Nintendo.com, there's no mention of it. But what so they did important in, enough for their fans to know, I guess. I guess I don't know. I mean, obviously, all the gaming blogs picked it up, but it's just strange. I mean, they announced it. It wasn't even like the main focus of the announcement. Their announcement was about strong 3DS sales in 2013, which we'll get to in a bit. But then they're just like, and we're continuing in 2014 with this. So here's the this that they announced. First up, uh, and perhaps most significant in terms of just what Intel fans are looking forward to, is a confirmed release date for Yoshi's New Island which we knew was coming in spring, and now we have confirmed is coming on March 14th. So it's basically, judging on when it's coming out, this likely makes it Nintendo's big, like, late winter title. Every year in March, they have a big game. Last year, it was Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. 2011, it was Kid Icarus Uprising. Then, like, if you go back a few years, you have Metro Point Hunters on the DS. You have even, like, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire way back on the Game Boy Advance days. They were a March release, as was the GBASP itself. So Nintendo always, pretty much every year, those are just ones I can think of right now, but pretty much every year in March, usually the third week, this time the second week, is their one of their big releases. So Yoshi's New Island is probably the big game that Nintendo finally released between now and spring. They have others, but this is the one that they're really going to be pushing most likely. So um, that's great and all, but we still don't really know what makes Yoshi's New Island new. I mean, well, it's... the fact that it's a new game, I guess. Yeah, but it's, it's really kind of like... I mean, I, we were talking about this last episode, and feel, feel free to disagree. Um, I just feel like there's no hook. <laughs> like, I mean, they have... If I, they're going I wouldn't with, count the giant egg as a hook. No, me neither. Or whatever little gyro support they may be throwing in, which they've teased. But it's just kind of like, like, the giant egg's like one move. I mean, if they're going the new Super Mario Brothers route, where the new is just like... 
It's new, but actually it's more old than new. We stripped all the extra stuff. It's the basic gameplay again. I guess that counts, but I feel like when I played it at ConCon, it's just missing something. So, I don't know. I mean... Very funny. I feel like I'd be more okay with it. It was called New Yoshi's Island. Because then I figured, like, oh, okay, this is part of that new Super Mario Bros. Right, family, but because so they put the new in the second so, word, you're so, like, what? Tell me that could only expect, like, a new power-up or two between games, and that's pretty much it. Just different level design. Honestly, that's probably what it's going to be. Now that I think about it, that could explain the lack of a hook. But if Nintendo were to have a hook, I imagine we'll be finding out within the next month or so. Nintendo has a habit of, uh, they just like to hold all the big news about individual games until, like, the 8 to 10 weeks leading up to launch to build hype. Like if you look at Donkey Kong Country, um, Tropical Freeze, uh, what, early December is when they... We heard nothing after E3 about Donkey Kong. Then early December, suddenly, they announced Cranky Kong on VGX. They have previews in Game Informer. They're doing interviews. They're showing off levels for, like, the core gamers, like that jelly, jumpy one. All that's just out of nowhere. You know, now here we are a month from release, and people are talking about Cranky Kong and that sort of thing, and there's a bit more hype. Or, like, uh, Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds came out late November, Early October, they were at New York Comic Con doing a panel with producer E.G. Anuma where he was talking about low roll. He was talking about the IM system. Basically, everything about the game was kind of laid out at that point, and that was only six weeks in advance. So Nintendo clearly likes to backload all this information until right before the game comes out and build hype. So if there's any sort of hook beyond the fact that it's just the new, like you were saying... I don't know. Maybe the title means um, Yoshi gets a new island that he has to buy and the coins he collects in the game... Are like part of a currency. Little do you, you know. To, you have to buy little condos and rent them out in the new island. Little do you know, Yoshi's New Island is half Yoshi's Island game, half Farmville. You yeah. have to get. You have to it's build like your own tycoon. island. Actually, that'd be interesting if that was like a sub game within it. I would maybe be okay with that if it didn't require real microtransactions, of course. Yeah, because Yoshi's or, New or, Island implies it's his new island, so it's yeah, not. He clearly just <laughs> bought it, and you know he went to the Cayman Islands. He bought a private island, and with all his money from being in all those games, and now he he's enjoying himself. But, but no, I was, I was just going to say that if there is a hook beyond the newness of it, I imagine we'll know within a month. So probably by like probably by the time Bravely Default comes out on February 7th, we should know if there's a hook. I mean, I'd be happy to be wrong if they announced something in late February. And I'm probably overthinking this. I bet you the game's going to be great. It's going to be one of those things that you play. It's like, oh, wow, this is really like classic Yoshi's Island. But right now, it just feels like it's missing an element or something. Am I crazy? Do you think that too? Or is it just me? No, uh, I think we've been spoiled with um, like the most recent releases. We've right. Just, like, which kind of crazy, went crazy, feature, yeah. yeah. Imagination, and this one just seems to be playing it pretty safe. Yeah, um, which I guess does isn't bad if Nintendo's just trying to revive a franchise because the last Yoshi's Island was what two thousand seven. Because I mean, what's something? funny is like Mario Kart Eight is probably guilty of the exact same thing. It's like oh, it has a ton of new stuff. Hmm, They're know. upping the racer count to twelve, which they haven't had for. That's two, not new though. That's true. It's still it's still the exact same Mario Kart. When we played it, it still played exactly the same. That's true. Although they have new vehicles, but that's Mario Kart. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything. You're right. And playing on the wall doesn't really do anything either. And it's not like it changes how you actually drive. That's it's just true. Another surface. So why is it that Mario Kart? I'm like, oh yeah, it's new. But this one, I'm like, it's not new. I, don't, I think it's just is it in my head because of the graphical difference. But even then, I mean, that doesn't really do anything to the gameplay. Yeah, and you Sonic Online like Racing was way more innovative than Mario Kart Eight. True. True. And and not <laughs> and uh, Yoshi's New Line does have different graphics, but I guess yeah. they're still colorful. They're it's still just pastel. I, don't know. I, I guess the trailer makes it more more. You know, what I think it is like, I think, like a relax uh, relax like a more, relaxing game. Yeah, relaxing I think game. part of it is that the trailer they only show these forty second clips, and it's just like the Yoshi kind of casually walking yeah, around, just like, "Hey guys, look, left, it's my island." Yeah. The left trailer they show like nothing happened. You just I know. Walk a little, jumped on something, and yeah, I don't understand how it's out in two months, and they've shown so little. 
Yeah, it looked like watching that um, Flavored Cats trailer. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> okay, we need a segue for a second to, or tra- like, take a segue on this. So, Flavored Cats is an Inspired eShop by title. Inspired 3D World. And apparently. And nothing against <laughs> the developers. It's probably just an alpha build. It's understandable. But it looked, I don't understand. It's like the most barren world. The, hit, the collision detection looks way off. Like, I mean, he's I walking could, under the stairs. I mean, you could tell they're excited about their game, but I think As they, should, they should wait. Longer to yeah. show it off. It's like they have a prototype of a single stage, and they're like, guys, check this out, flavored cat. And also, what flavor are these cats? He's orange. Am I should I be expecting citrus or or like uh, clementine, which I guess is a citrus? Or are we talking like traffic cone orange? And I'm gonna be licking plastic if I eat this cat. Like, what is his flavor? If he's so flavorful, and and what? Why is he flavored? Who's eating him? Because I, I mean, realistically, I guess I could, but I'm not going to. Well, no. <laughs> All these are the questions I need answers to. Never mind what the game is. I need answers to why is he flavored, what is he flavored, how is he flavored, and how long ago was the flavored? Because I don't want him to expire. You know, food after it expires, I'm good. So that's my that's my two cents on the flavored cats. But yeah, it is a. Uh, we'll we uh, we'll put a link to the trailer in um, the blog post if you want to watch the 20 seconds of a cat walking down some stairs and past what look like coins, but are kind of also They're bananas. Food. Yeah, like bananas, sort of weird bananas. Yeah. And he does nothing. There's no gameplay. It's just him walking. Which, once again, like you said, it's great that they're excited. It's great that they're making something for the Wii U. But, but I mean, just based on what we've seen, it's not like something you want to go like, yep, this is the, what the eShop's providing. Yeah, exactly. Which actually fits in nicely with the eShop hey, topic. PS4, what, what are you showing? Oh, the Witness yeah, and it's like, all other stuff. Well, that's not indie. Better example is, hey, PS4, how's Minecraft? How's Spelunky? How's, uh, how's Octodad? Cool. I have a cat that tastes like an orange over here. You want to see? Like, it's not quite the same. But, um, yeah, we'll talk about the eShop in more depth. It is worth mentioning, though, that there was more beyond just Yoshi at in the 3DS press release that put out. They also announced a brand new game, which was a bit unexpected, and it's called Disney Magical World. So it's a social simulator. You live among Disney characters as your me, and you're tasked with uh, basically being a part of the town. You're managing a cafe, you're growing crops, you're completing various errands and tasks for villagers... Uh, if this sounds like Animal Crossing, there's a reason. If this sounds like Cars Moon, there's a reason. If it sounds like Kingdom Hearts, there's a reason. Because this is the love child of all three. Hmm, I thought it just sounded like King- no, not Kingdom, well, Kingdom Hearts. Well, Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I probably should say why it sounds like Kingdom Hearts. 80 different Disney characters from across their universe, all in one game. Oh, I thought you were just I forgot part, part action RPG or something. No, I forgot. No, there's no action RPG. Sorry, I forgot the crucial Kingdom Hearts thread there. But, yeah, it's uh, so there's a bunch of different characters all living together in the magical world of Disney. And you just get to live amongst them and, you know, dis- Disney out. Geek out. Be a Disnerd. Is that something people say? Disnerd? I don't think so. Oh, well, now I'm saying it. You know how, like, every band has, like, stupid names for their fans? Like, or not band, but, like, Disney-ch. ours. Like, Disney-ch. No, but I was going to say, <laughs> actually, I like that. The disney But, you know, like, uh, Lady Gaga's Little Monsters and uh, Nicki Minaj's her Barbies and Justin Bieber has Beliebers. I imagine Disney fans are Disnerds. Although they might take offense. No. So Disney is probably there. Or Mouseketeers. They're probably Mouseketeers, realistically. But Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point is this game exists, and it's coming in April, on the 11th specifically. And as you play through the game and do these various tasks, you actually, once again, taking a key from Animal Crossing, get hundreds of different items to accessorize and customize your me, as well as collectible character cards. Not quite sure what those mean, but I'm hoping... For the owner, and like, yeah, oh, originally created in nineteen. That would be cool. Something. See, that'd be really cool for the older Disney fan because apparently this game skews younger, which makes sense because it's a Disney game where you live with Disney princesses and Mickey Mouse. Like, you can't be, you know, it's gonna skew younger. But it actually came out in Japan uh, last July, and it was made by 
Namco Bandai developed it and published it in Japan. And it def- from the impressions I was reading when researching this, it definitely sounds like it's more of a kid-friendly, more of a kid title than a uh, all-ages title like uh, Animal Crossing is. So I wouldn't be surprised if the character cards are literally like, look, it's Mickey giving you a thumbs up. And oh, look, it's, uh, it's, give me a Disney princess. It's Tinkle Bell. She's not a princess. <laughs> uh, looking. Did I say Tinkle Bell? At, did I say Tinkle Bell? I think you did. Did I? Yeah. Wow. The fairy of going to the bathroom. Right? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I didn't even notice I said that. Wow. All right. Uh, well, anyway, you get my point. Like, it's random. <laughs> Did I really say that? I probably didn't. I wish we could play it back, but meh. Uh, yeah, anyone that's listening, go ahead and rewind and just loop water me saying that. Oh, water under the bridge. I get it. Uh, sewage under the streets. Um, but, yeah. So, the one thing that's kind of interesting about this is it is being made by Namco Bandai in Japan. And published by them, but then Nintendo's the one bringing Pac-Man it. cameo? Possibly, but what's weird is Pac-Man... Pac-Man. Nintendo, look <laughs> what you did. <laughs> Nintendo's who's publishing it in the US, as far as I can tell. So, this is probably the closest we're ever going to get to a Nintendo-made Disney game. So, just just let that sink in. Like, Ninten- this is a Nintendo Disney game. It's not a Disney game on a Nintendo, it's a Nintendo Disney game. By way of Namco Bandai. But still, that's like, I if remember, you ever thought that would happen, or never happened, here you go. It's basically I don't happening. remember where I read it, but apparently um, Nintendo used to make Disney playing cards. Yeah, in the 50s. They, in Japan, in the 50s, they made Disney. They, had Mickey, they got a Disney license, and they made Mickey Mouse playing cards. Yeah. And so, they're quite popular. So that means um, this game is not the closest to get to Nintendo. Oh, you're right, because they had actual physical card games. Made by Nintendo. Made by Nintendo. This is the first digital <laughs> Nintendo-made Disney game. And it's not even Nintendo-made. Nintendo published. So like Bayonetta. Yeah, essentially. I wonder what the deal was between Namco Bandai and Disney. Because you would think Namco Bandai would be like, oh, we're sitting on a punny, a, mi- a mile of punny. A, 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 a lot of punny. Pile, a pile of money. I cannot talk today. We're sitting on a pile of money with this Disney game. Let's just give it to Nintendo. Like, what was the logic there? I wonder if, I guess Nintendo's probably doing localization, which I imagine would be quite a tedious process for a Animal Crossing game about Disney. Like, in terms of, like, Animal Crossing has some... The, I think the most dialogue of any Nintendo game or something like that. Really? And, yeah, and Disney, I imagine this is going to come pretty close because you're interacting with 80 different characters. But who knows? It is. I know I already mentioned that it's um, a kid-friendly game, but it's actually kind of interesting if you stop and think about that. Uh, Nintendo, they're kind of following a trend here because they have a kid-friendly licensed game coming out in April this year. And a year ago, in 2013, they had a kid-friendly licensed game for the 3DS in April, and that was Legacy Undercover The Chase Begins. So there definitely, there's like a pattern they're getting into here. And I, I kind of mentioned this in past episodes, but I, I like stopped and thought about it. And yeah, they're actually, they, when they said at the, in that press release that they had really good 3DS sales in 2013, it looks like they're trying to make Lightning Strike twice now and have software sales be just as good this year. Because in February last year, we had Fire Emblem Awakening, right? And now this year, on February 7th, we get Bravely Default. Both of them are strategy-heavy role-playing games of sorts one more so than the other, that you can, you know, that are for the core gamer and come out pretty much the same time a year apart. Then in March, you have two beloved first-party Nintendo franchises that haven't seen new entries in a while. Suddenly both, you know, they each have a new game. Last year it was Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon in March. This year it's Yoshi's New Island on March 14th. Then in April you have the kid-friendly fair. You had Lego City last year. You have Disney this year. Nintendo's definitely, like, sticking to a certain pattern here, which is kind of interesting. It makes me think... That probably means Kirby Triple Deluxe will be coming out in May. It's already out in Japan, so there's no reason besides timing to not release it yet. They could localize it and get it out in, you know, in two months. 
But if they wait till May, last year in May, they released a polygonal side-scrolling platformer called Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. This year in May, they can, hypothetically, release a side-scrolling polygonal platformer called Kirby Triple Deluxe. So they could literally go, like, you know, game for game and check each box and have a matching game all year if they really wanted to. I don't know what they would do for an Animal Crossing equivalent, but... Well, if they release this later. Yeah, but then they have nothing in Mar- in April for their... Assuming this is what they're doing. It's just too much of a coincidence for it not to be. Like, they line up perfectly. Everything through the end of spring lines up... Or up to spring lines up so nicely with this pattern. Mm-hmm. The exception being Professor Layton and the Azran Leg- uh, Legacy, which comes out in the end of February here. Like, it's been out in Europe for a while, but it comes out here in the end of February. And last year, the extra game they had that uh, doesn't fit this mold was Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, which came, which came out in late March. So those don't quite match up as nicely, but still, Nintendo is game for game releasing the same number of games in close to an identical pattern two years in a row, which they can't be a coincidence, right? Like, there's no way, just by chance. There's probably some market research they did to see what type of consumer buys what game in what month. Statistics show that people play platformers more in the spring. It makes sense. Release a, a long platformer right before summer break. Release a major franchise revival like Luigi's Mansion or Yoshi's New Island during spring break. Release, uh, I don't know what Kid Friendly and April have to do with one another, but in February, release the hardcore game that the core gamers who buy games all year round will buy in a month where they're not going to sell any other games very well. There you go. It kind of makes sense. But but still, it's just like, it's kind of funny that they're actually doing this. And it does, uh, you know, it does it did work out quite well for them the first time. I mean, in 2013... They actually saw a 45% increase in software sales over 2012. So it went up quite a good amount. And this is what the main meat, the meat of the press con- press release was not the game announcements we just went through. It was this. this 45%, wor- 45% increase. Granted, they released more games, but all those games also sold better. But they didn't really sharply. It just rose. Yeah, it didn't like double or anything. It went up by like 45%. <laughs> but it's still a good... You know, a good jump for the system. And not only that, but... Hard- oh, that was a bad Pokemon joke, I'm sorry. We, we, no one was talking about Pokemon. You can't have a pun without any context when it's that vague. Yeah, I was wondering what you're doing. I was like, I'm not... Oh! Oh! His blah, blah, blah rose sharply. His special attack rose sharply. I see what you're doing now. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the description. Well, now that anyway. I know the pun... Now that I know the pun... That, that was wonderful. Good job. That was a, one, a single applaud for... For you. I'll take it. Take what you can get, because that's all you're getting. Um, but yeah, it, not only did the software do well, but going back before, pre-Pokemon pun, uh, not only did the software do well, but the hardware did pretty well too. Nintendo, since the 3DS came out, in the US alone, the 3DS has now sold, hardware-wise, 11.5 million units, which is certainly nothing to scoff at. And uh, I mean, we're not going to know how it's doing worldwide or what that means in the grander scheme of things until January 29th, which is when Nintendo has their big financial briefing, their next big financial briefing and their financials. So, of course, which will cover all the holidays, so, of course, we will be covering that in the episode to follow. Uh, But we will get a better sense of how the holidays did for Nintendo next episode when the NPD numbers for North America, or for the U.S., come out. So it's kind of like a trickle of information, but the point is 3DS did well last year, and Nintendo's now trying to mimic that. So smart of them, very smart of them. Uh, But, you know... Even though we kind of segued into sales, there are there was more game news to discuss. Not from Nintendo, per se, but from, from other folks. Well, sort of from Nintendo. So Nintendo didn't announce it. Did you hear about this? Nintendo didn't announce it. But Nintendo.com leaked that uh, Inazuma 11, it might be coming to America. Is a soccer game? Yeah, it's... Anime I mean, soccer game? Yeah, it's an anime-style soccer RPG. Because, you know, those words fit together perfectly and don't make you wonder what you're talking about. Anime-style soccer RPG. 
Well, when you say anime, it makes sense. Yeah, I guess it does, actually. Does, does anime, it, style, anime, and RPG pair well in soccer. There's an anime for anything. That is very true. Well, it's not an actual anime. It's no, an anime style. Anime, soccer, style, RPG. Yeah. It did spawn a manga, though. There you go. But, um, but yeah, so it's it's huge in Japan. It's huge in Europe. It's developed by Level 5, the people that did um, Professor Layton, obviously. And it never came to America because it is a anime-style soccer RPG. That will not click with most of America because it's soccer. And it's an anime-style <laughs> anime style RPG. No, sure. when, do, when are we going to play soccer? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what is this soccer you speak of? But But now it seems like it might actually... Oh, and just like Layton, I should probably mention, just like Layton... Uh, huge change in Japan, published by Level 5 in Japan, Nintendo saw the potential for a Western release and brought Inazuma 11 to Europe. And it had all three, there's three games in the series, the third of which comes out on 3DS next month in Europe. Big hits, the first two. Like, big, big hits. So, it's basically... It's like, kind of like, testing the water. Okay, I like soccer, I like this genre, maybe... I like anime. Like, I could get a good... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And, like, if you think about it, it's not that crazy. It's like, instead of battles, you have soccer matches. Okay, out loud, that does sound crazy. But but it's just like, it's been big in Japan, it's been big in Europe, but here in the U.S., we never have seen it. And that's probably because we don't care about soccer. But according to Nintendo.com, it's coming out Q1, which means that it'll be out before March 31st. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, up until now, you could argue it wasn't released because it's soccer. And because, like, anime-style soccer... Like, anime-style RPGs are niche to begin with. And then putting soccer on top of it in a country that doesn't care about soccer, or football, as I guess I should call it, yeah, you could see why Nintendo would not necessarily publish it. If they were hesitant to par- publish Xenoblade, they're going to be he- hesitant to publish something even more niche like this. But with that said, if they were to make the jump of to America, now would probably be the time, right? I mean, the anime is available in English on Hulu. There is an anime now, I forgot to mention. Oh. It didn't start as an anime, but it's Spawn anime. And it's apparently... It's Pokemon. Apparently, if I... I might have misread, but apparently there is an anime, and it is on Hulu now in English, dub. Mm-hmm. Right now. Right now. You can just stop listening to this and go watch soccer animes. Tell us how it is. Yeah, let us know how it is. Oh, you're back. Okay. Anyway, or they never left. Anyway, uh, so now I do they have that in their favor, Nintendo, if they were... Or if Level 5, if they release it here. But they also have the World Cup this year in brazil which means this is the one time every what four years i think is when the world cup is that america slightly cares about soccer this is like the one time that there's america there's enough interest in america for soccer that you can sell soccer stuff so my guess is that uh if they were to release it it's going to be around the world cup with that said um there's also all sorts of holes with the idea of bringing it here if it was coming in q1 right because i mean one really it's coming q1 that's like in the next, it has to be out in the next eight weeks. The likelihood that, unless it's an eShop only talk, because Nintendo's still has, hesitant, I don't know. That's, eShop games are released on a whim, but even then, it seems kind of sudden, so who knows. Second question, is it going to be the third game for 3DS, but rebranded as the first game? Ooh, there, are they going to bust the Final Fantasy? Yeah, that, they're going to have to. You can't release uh, Inazuma 11, so, or Inazuma 11, 11 3. Without one and two, we're gonna have to give it a new subtitle. Yeah, which means it will essentially be the first <laughs> and game. And it in the will series. be prequel, like Origins. Or yeah, something. when when they like port over the DS ROMs or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's issue number two. Issue number three is: Is Nintendo even publishing it? They handled Layton in Europe. They handled this, but I mean, this one isn't an issue. It's just a question. But is level five? Level five publishes their own stuff on the eShop. Nintendo publishes level five's physical stuff for 3DS. Where would this go? What would this fall into? If Nintendo did eShop. It could come out this quarter. If Nintendo didn't do eShop and Level 5 did eShop, it could come out this quarter. If Nintendo did physical, I feel like it won't be this quarter. Mm. 
I guess we'll have to see what Nintendo is aiming for. Is that supposed to be a soccer pun? Because you can aim in anything. That's just straight up use of the English language. English language you're supposed to. <laughs> Well, no, no. I was just using the word. Oh, because you're right. We'll see what they're aiming for. Am I right? 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 And then nothing. I wanted to make a plan with their, like, I don't know what their goal is. Oh, that's a good one. Man, you're good at these. Anyway, um, oh, and to top it all off, as if this wasn't confusing enough, uh, four days after it was listed on Nintendo.com, it disappeared from Nintendo.com. Nowhere to be found. You could argue, oh, it was an error, right? Oh, well, Nintendo made a mistake. Why are you harping on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Who goes to who at Nintendo's American branch decides, hey, let's enter this game that we have no intent to release ever, and name it not in the Zuma Eleven Three, where it would clearly be copy pasted from the European site, but the name of the first game, just in the Zuma Eleven, and then put it in Q One. Like, who would actually go through the effort of doing that if the game wasn't ever coming stateside? So I think it's coming at some point. Is it coming Q One? I kind of doubt it. I think it'll be around the World Cup, like I said, but it's definitely coming. There's no doubt that Maybe this was Maybe they just made a, a data entry error. Maybe it was early in the morning and the guy had a hand of copy. But where'd he get that data from? That's my point. And he just had a list of games and, he said, and then they said, alright, are these little games with the asterisk? Don't put these there. And like, why would oh. they be on the list? And they're like, alright, got it. Put games with asterisk on the list. <laughs> no, but why would they be on the list? That's my point. Nintendo up till now has had nothing to do with it. Nintendo of America. Maybe it was a combined so, list that had European games. Possibly, but then where'd Q1 come from? I don't know, I'm trying to defend it. See, <laughs> the only reason the only reason I thought I poke a hole in there's hole I think there's holes in that one is because sure, it could have been the release list for Europe and America. It could have said Inazuma eleven in the European column and it could have been like which is coming out in Q one, it comes out next month. And then the guy could be like, Oh whoops and you know, put it in and then said, Oh whoops. Yeah, so someone the, dropped the, the ball. The, the problem is someone dropped the ball. The problem is it's called Inazuma eleven three in Europe. So this guy who is entering it clearly deleted the three consciously, which means he knows it's not in America, which means it isn't just a guy making a mistake. This is Nintendo. I mean, there's a mistake, but Nintendo is probably developing it for the U.S. That That's my theory. I'd be... I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not in this case. I think it is coming stateside at some point. Nintendo needs more games this year. They said they're, they're going to have a year for the 3DS as good as last year, which means they need more games. And this is a acclaimed game from an acclaimed developer. And I mean, but not by acclaim. But not by acclaim because they don't exist anymore. And yeah, <laughs> and I mean, who doesn't want soccer styled anime? I mean, anime styled soccer RPG. I cannot talk today. Oh my god, anime style soccer RPGs. Just, just those words sound so nice together. So there is one other 3DS game switching gears that um, oh. is coming from abroad. It's actually it's confirmed for the US, unlike Inazuma Eleven, but it doesn't have a date here in the states. It will actually be out in Japan this coming week. And it's more of an app than a game. It's called Comic Studios, or Comic Studio, no S. And it's an eShop app that lets you make your own manga. So it's kind of like Color Studio. So it's called Comic Studio. But you make your own manga. Right. It's a translation, because in Japan they don't call manga manga, they call oh, it yeah. comics. So it's a yeah. translated name, and they're just going to call it Comic Studio, at least as of now. But you can make your own manga, or I guess your own comic. It's kind of like, it's like a different suite of editing tools, sort of like Colors 3D, but without the 3D effects. So, um,. How it works, you can, you know, you can divide up, but you get a blank page, you can divide up into panels freely, however you want, you can insert, spe insert speech bubbles, you can insert text bubbles and thought bubbles, you can put more general horizontal and vertical text, you know, for sound effects or whatnot, mangas do that all the time, they just have giant words along the side. And comics. And comics. You can, uh, on top of that, obviously, you can draw, you need to be able to draw, and you can have up to five layers at any one time, using different types of brushes and pens and shading and that sort of thing, and they just make your own comic. And the cool thing is, once you make it, you could save it to the SD card as a JPEG and then put it wherever you want, like on the internet. The downside is it's only 896 pixels by 896 pixels. 
So that's not a ton of space to work with in the grand scheme of things. Like, it's a short comic. Yeah. But still, it's pretty cool software that you can do that on the 3DS. Like, imagine, uh, they haven't confirmed it, but imagine if they had, like, Miiverse integration, so you could just upload your comic right into Miiverse, like, as an attachment, like, kind of how you could do a screenshot. I guess you could do pieces of it as screenshots, but they just had, like, a complete import tool. Man, if they hadn't removed Flitno Studio, like, the 3DS could become, like, well, you It might a, be you, back. You have a full-fledged, like, drawing software, you have comic software, animation software. Yeah, I mean, it's super cool, and it fits very well with all those things. It's like... If you have an Excel, though, I don't think that would... No, it wouldn't really work yeah. too well on the normal 3DS. It'd be kind of crammed. But, yeah, if you had, like... That's pretty cool. You could literally have, like, a whole animation suite on your system now. Yeah. It's pretty nice. But, uh... Yeah, I just think it would have made... You know, your comment about the XL actually brings up a good point. It probably would have made more sense on the Wii U, even. I mean, it's a much smaller install base, but the Wii U has such a bigger screen that seems more adapt for... Uh, or more appropriate for drawing in well, intricately I mean, detailed manga. Better fit, yes. But at the same time, I mean, I guess it's just nice having the option to make one wherever you are. Like, true. if you're on the bus or on a train or something. That's true. I mean, no. That's true, because if you're... It, I guess if like you're awesome. sitting, yeah, I guess. yeah, I guess if you're sitting at home at the Wii you could be like, I can just do this on a Wacom tablet. Like, properly. Yeah, pretty much if you're home. Like, yeah. yeah they, That's a very I, good I think point. they realize that. Like, at least with the 3DS, like, you could take it anywhere you can. Yeah. I can't, I can't take my tablet anywhere. Right. That's a good point. And, you know, that's actually... a big enough hassle to move it around the house. Right. So, would you... I mean, hypothetically, ignoring this, this fact that you have a normal 3DS versus an XL, would this be something you would buy? Like, because you do have all the other animation stuff. Like, are they targeting the right type of people here by being like, well, if you like intro animation, if you like If I had an XL, I would definitely get it. Right. Maybe not so much right now. Yeah, on your normal 3DS. Unless there's like some sort of price drop. Well, you, well by I mean, the way, well, 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 not, well, not a price drop, like a sale or something. By the way, you can zoom in. You realize that, right? Like, it's not like you're only looking well, no, at the no, full it, page. You can zoom in per panel. No, 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 I, I know that. It's just, um, it's not so much even the size, because, I mean, I've drawn a few things in Cutters 3D, so right. I've gotten used to drawing on the small screen. My own problem is that, um, since I'm right-handed, the power button for the 3DS sticks out. And uh, I usually rest my hand on the right side. Yeah. And there's been I've turned off the I've turned on the system on occasion like three or four times while I'm drawing something, and it's the most annoying thing ever. I have to start <laughs> over. Right. That makes so, sense. So yeah, at least Excel hasn't really given me that problem the few times I've played with it. So yeah, because the power button's in a different spot. Yeah, and it's also like inside the system practically. Yeah. Like, this one like just it's, sticks it's out like a little. Yeah, it's, it's flush on the Excel. Yeah. It's not engraved like or embossed or whatever the indented is called. Slightly. Perfor no. No. But uh yeah, I mean I, I just think it's cool that we're getting the sort of stuff on three D S. Yeah. It's turning it into more than just a game machine. I know, and there's even nice. that one other app that lets you like program games or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm blanking on what it's called, but there's a little game PC making. or something. Yeah, a little PC. That's DSIware, so you can even do that on a DSI. Yeah, but... then we create a Mega Man and you have to like scan a lot of codes and or put in what? a lot of codes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um what was it guys? Oh, yeah, Korg just... and Korg is also Yeah, Korg you can make music. Yeah, it's really cool oh. what you can do. Like it's literally becoming like a creation tool i bet you there are people out there who make their own everything on 3ds like they make the music they make an they right, make a comic I, I, they I've make read, um, animation i've read about some people that actually use their 3ds or just plug it into the thing and they're like djing with it that's cool yeah i know people do that with game boys chiptune music yeah but but yeah so i think it, it is confirmed they uh the developers confirmed to silicon era that it is coming stateside at some point it'll be on japan this week but it's a, it's a cool little tool i thought it was worth highlighting just because mm. i thought it was worth drawing attention to see i can do puns too Drawing oh, wow. attention to. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that's how good it was. It was so good that you have to sit there and let it digest, and then you're like, "Oh, oh, I get it." That's what happened. Except I had to tell you, you got it. You didn't get it yourself. <laughs> but yeah, so that's um, that's the last of the 3DS specific game news worth mentioning. There is, of course, 
Smash Brothers updates, as there always are. You know, now that we're in the year of Smash Bros. release, um, they're starting to trickle out info at a faster rate. So, so uh, Masahiro Sakurai, the head of the series and the guy in charge of the new Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS, has continued to make announcements on Miiverse at a much faster clip. Like, even, like, I mean, we've talked about Smash Bros. the last three or four episodes, but before that, we didn't talk about it for, like, six months. Or three months or something. So, like, they're definitely speeding up the announcements. Yeah, and in this many case... Many returning characters are faster. Yeah, and that's and that sweat. brings us to the new one. What? No, I just said that's sweat. That's sweat? Is that what you said? Yeah. Like, sweet? No, I said sweat. Sweat? Oh, that's sweat. Characters, that's sweat. I gotcha. That took way too much brain power. I'm sorry. Anyway, yes, the new one, not only... That, but this new one has goofy facial animations as well, which look amazing in the screenshots, and it's the return of good old King DDD. A lot of the characters in this game have... They have really good facial animation, but they, but DDD in particular just looks of, goofy in a great way. Kind of reminds me of um, Street Fighter 4. Like, every character when yeah. they get hit, they make crazy faces in. Well, it's because they the can do it now with the HD. And I well, guarantee Smash Bros. on 3DS won't either. It's because the HD allows them to have that oh, yeah, level of detail of and not take too much rendering to do it. Yeah. I don't know why I was so impressed that he's like, oh wow, you can see little sweat drop this on DDD when he's holding yeah. the thing. Yeah, but... Not so much that DDD was announced, it's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about DDD. It, well, first of all, uh, he's, go he's going to uh, be redesigned a little. If you look at screenshots, if you look at his character art and yeah, character his brawl, are, He looks more like the cartoon... He looks more like normal DDD. Honestly, the DDD in Brawl was almost like a humanized... Like, he, really? He, if you look at him, like his beak is more of a mouth than a beak. And, like, he's, he's more pastel colored. He's not as cartoon colored. He looks like more he, like, um, like the Game Boy one. This one looks, reminds me more of, like, the TV show. DVD. I feel like this one reminds me more of the game one, kind of. I don't know, because the but eyes on the old, on the brown one were huge. That's like true. like the older one. And this one, yeah. I don't know. He just reminds me of the cartoon one. Yeah, well, either way, he definitely looks different. There's no doubt about that. He's not as pastel. That's the biggest thing I noticed, is his colors are much more, or, like, much deeper. Mm. And uh, he honestly, I saw a side by side image of the two renders, and I thought the brawl DDD was the new DDD. I'm like, oh, that one looks more detailed. That must be the new one. But nope, <laughs> nope, that's the old one. But uh, in addition to that, we uh, through some screenshots, there's confirmation that his rocket hammer thing when he decides smash, that's that's back for this one. No, was a down B. Was it his down B? Yeah, you charge it. Right, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's back. And uh, I mean, the side smash is still the same one because they showed him the villager climbing on his hammer. Oh yeah, and yeah. then he does that when you do your smash attack. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't wrong. I just was wrong, but also <laughs> right by chance. So, so that works. But yeah, no. I, I'm personally, I'm happy he's back. I never could play with DDD very well in Brawl. Like I never was good. But it's so fun to make him do that big like slam move he does with the ooh. ooh. That's two weeks. That's two episodes in a row. I've done impressions. I just realized. No, it's pretty good. I'll give you. Thank that. you. But yeah, <laughs> that I love doing that move. I don't care what's going on in the match. I will just jump in the middle of it and go like, right into them over and over and over. It's so fun. So if they keep that, I will play as DVD. Well, Sakurai's sure. voice, right? Is he reprising his role? At I don't know. Is it Sakurai's yeah, voice? Yeah, it was. Oh. I have no idea about that. I would imagine he is, because DDD's probably his baby, in a way, since Kirby was what Sakurai originally created, and DDD was the first yeah. enemy. But... Yeah, and I will come back. Uh, yeah, I, due to... Probably. Due to unpopular demand. He's not popular? Anymore? Oh, right. People think he's too powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, and that'll be interesting to see if Mena comes back. It'll also be interesting to see how they tweak DDD in terms of uh, his abilities and his strength. Oh. Because, like, he, uh, Sakurai was saying in a Famitsu column, he writes, Famitsu being the Japanese gaming magazine, 
um, one of many. Uh, he was saying that they're, re they're in the stages of balancing the characters and rebalancing the characters. And, like, Bowser, for example, a fellow yeah, heavyweight he, character. Yeah, he got a way big overhaul. Yeah, he's going to be way different now. He's going to be stronger. His attacks are going to be more powerful in the sense that if he hits you with a side smash or, you know, a sort of standard charge-up attack or whatever, any sort of thing that has any strength to it, you'll actually get lifted off the ground and fly around, like, be flown around by it. Opposed to before where he'd hit you, but you'd hold your ground. So, I wonder if DDD's gig. I wonder if that's, like, a heavyweight thing in general, or if they're gonna make DDD weaker to counterbalance the heavier Bowser. Like, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But it's interesting. DDD was already pretty strong. His hammer that's could true. kill you on, like, low... That's why I'm thinking maybe they'll percentage. make him weaker. Because if Bowser's stronger, they'll get I mean, two super strong but he heavy was, characters. But he also really fair, though. I mean, his hammer's going to be really slow. I mean, his smash attacks. That's true. The only thing that ever... He made also him, like, went... Ooh! <laughs> Sorry. And the only, that one wasn't um, The only thing that ever, like... That ever made him like really good with just that he could chain grab, right? Right. I wonder if they'll keep that because I feel like chain grabbing. Chain, is the chain, gra yeah. chain grabbing is the bane of uh, not the Batman villain, just the bane of the existence of Smash Bros. I hate people at chain grab. Yeah, and sometimes sorry, it, people it, at chain grab. I don't really hate you, but I kind of do. And sometimes it's necessary to make the character worth using. Like ice climbers are probably like definitely not as good if they don't chain grab. Oh, oh man, there have been so many times I've been stuck in the middle of an ice climber chain grab. Like, literally, it'll be like five minutes of me just getting chain grabbed. And I was like, why? This, I'm not playing anything. <laughs> I'm being even... played. I'm not playing. And those aren't even the full chain, chain grab potential that we get you. Yeah. I can't do the ones where they stay in place and grab Oh, yeah, the one... even moving. Yeah, our friend who does it to me all the time, he always just sends me back and forth across the stage. And I always try and get out of it, never can. It's, it's horrible. I cry. I'm, I'm in the fetal position on the floor. He's laughing. Yeah. It's a disaster. It's really a disaster. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how DDD is. He's just so fun to play. Him and, like, Captain Falcon are two that I just, like... I just like that they do random powerful things that are kind of silly. Like, Cap I mean, come on, Falcon Punch? Like, it's just such a ridiculous... The whole thing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, whoever came up with that, like, all right, he's the weird card driver. He's Captain Falcon. Yeah, it's like, okay. the Falcon Punch and Falcon Kick. I know. It's like, and not only that, but, like... I can understand and Falcon, Falcon Hug. I could Falcon Hug. Whatever it is, the up B when he grabs you, hugs you. Oh like, yeah, he, he. I think he, he he said something else. Though. I don't remember what he said. He doesn't say Falcon Hug. I know that. No, I'm, like, I'm calling it the Falcon. Uh, grab. Falcon grab. No, that. Um, but I was gonna say that with Falcon, like it's funny because the kick I can understand. If you're racing and you're super intense about it, your your foot on the gas pedal is gonna be pressed really hard against that gas pedal, and you're gonna build up muscle just from the tension of your race mm -hmm. as you're. Bare, you know, trying to push the gas pedal through the floor of the well, car. I mean, the but the, be tense when they're steering. I, mean, they I guess. But it just seems like not quite the same. Actually, now that I mention it, steering makes sense too. Yeah, because you have to do really fast turns and you gotta over, you know, you gotta snap your arms yeah, around. What if you're running into people? I mean. But I don't know why he's half Pokemon. I mean, oh. Falcon this, Falcon that. Like, he can say more than his name. It's okay. We'll, we'll yeah, sometimes. Him. And he says, show me your moves. Yeah. He's not confirmed yet. <laughs> no, he's not. But, but what are your thoughts on DDD? Like, do you even play with him that much? Not really. My brother played with him more, but he just, his back. Just yeah, yeah, just like yeah, he just wants to use. I just like is. that he's in it. I always like how he looks. Yeah, I I always like the more curvy rep. DDD has always been a funny character to me. Like I think he's great, but it's just like he's not menacing. I'm sorry. I know he's <laughs> only a bad guy half the time, but it's like like it's this like giant penguin looking. Yeah, but Bowser at least looks kind of menacing. Yeah. But like DDD's this giant penguin in a Santa Claus coat with a silly hat. It's just like, hi guys, and then he's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy your world now. It's just like, uh. That's when he sounds like, um, however he did in the TV show with the Raspy Boy. Oh, yeah, that, was the, that did he, not fit he had, him. He had a weird it. accent. That did not fit him at all. He looks like the type of guy that'd be like, hi, not like, I'm about, or whatever. Why am I doing voices? This isn't a cartoon. This is like the second episode in a row. At least I'm not slipping back into Toad yet. No. It, it could happen, but it won't. Uh. <laughs> 
So yeah, along with DDD, Sakurai also confirmed one other thing worth mentioning, which is that trophies are back. Surprise! I know, right? Like, who would have who would have thought that one of the most enticing things about Smash Bros. collecting all the trophies will be back? Exclusive trophies, though. That's that's the that's the trick that's the uh, wrinkle in it this time around. The trophies are exclusive to each version of the game. But can you transfer them? I don't know. They haven't talked any at all about connectivity be, between the games. That'd be kind of cool. Like, oh, that'd be super cool if you got one of that Master HD trophy collection on your Wii U that includes the 3DS no, trophies. It's, it's like Pokemon version. It's like Smash Brothers. Imagine if they had yeah. NFC enabled toys. You can get their physical versions of the trophies. Wow. And they can import them into the game. Wow. Hey, Nintendo said they're going to have a more serious N- NFC game this year that's not Pokemon Rumble. Um, and Smash Bros. is this year. You never we know. Need more NFC toys to collect. Yeah, more money to spend. But no, what I was going to say about the trophies is that uh, they're gonna they're matching kind of the themes of the different versions. So if you recall, 3DS version of Smash Bros., they're focusing on handheld, the history of handheld games, of the Nintendo's handheld games. So. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Like, I know Ocarina of Time 3D came out on a handheld. But I know, yeah, that was, was a bad for, example. For referring to, like, oh, we're going to put portable games, they're like, I don't know, I still say that the console game. Yeah, the screenshot he posted, for those who haven't seen it, is of, uh, wow, I'm blanking, Sarah? What's her name? Saria. Saria. Sarah. <laughs> Sorry. Ocarina of Time came out in two consoles. Yeah, it was on two consoles and a handheld. And he's like, we put handheld games in the handheld version. And it's like, look, here's a person from originally Ocarina a console game. A premier handheld game. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, that was a little little confusing, as was... Uh... Actually, I was... Well, like, we're going to get Donkey Kong Country Returns trophy on the 3DS. And then... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though that was a Probably, game. probably. But yeah, so the handheld ones will have handheld games, console ones will have console games. So it makes sense. But yeah, that was that was a strange move. Um, but yeah, I think that that's pretty much it for the game-specific news. We do have some industry yeah. news. Specifically. One last thing, though. It's, yeah. I find it just, well, it's not interesting, but whenever they, whenever the screenshot of the day is 3DS-related, I'm always disappointed that it's a 3DS-related Me too. One. Me too, because they're all low-res, yeah. And then they're like, um, yeah, the less interesting one. But, yeah, no, I agree, because it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, and it's really small, too, yeah. so it's just like, oh, all right. And they're like, that was a waste. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I literally have the same thought. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the game side there's of course industry side stuff we're talking about and that's specifically the two tribes uh reboot you could say that we teased at the top of the show and i mean we've been you more so than me have been playing two tribes games a lot and we've covered them on the show numerous four of them four of them oh yeah four of them yeah 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 so you've played four of them all on wii u we've covered the company a lot we talked about tokitori 2 a lot we even had an episode themed around tokitori 2 back episode 41 in like april that was a tokitori 2 episode so you know we been there with them for a while, so it's kind of sad to report that they essentially went bankrupt and closed. You're saying the money I gave them didn't help them at all? It did, sort of. Because here, here's the weird situation. No, here's the, yeah. Here's what's weird about it. So, the developer shut down. Literally, just the developer. It turns out Two Tribes is two companies. There's Two Tribes as a developer, well, and then there's a separate... they're called Two Tribes. Indeed. And they have two founders as well. Perhaps one founded each half of the two companies. Anyway. Of Native American descent? No. They're from the UK. Oh. I mean, it could be a Native American descent, and then went to the well, UK. Oh, I guess they don't have to be in order to have a tribe. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think that. No, <laughs> I'm just shooting that one down. No, but uh, yeah. So what happens? They had two companies. They had the developer two tribes, and they had a publishing arm called Two Tribes Publishing BV. I don't know what BV stands for. And the developers what shut down. The publisher's still there, which means all the games are still in the eShop. They're still making money to two tribes, and the new pu- and the publishing arm, B- Publishing BV, will fund future Two Tribes games, which are being made by a much smaller team of developers. The two co-founders and, like, three other people stuck around. The other 13 or so were let go. So they basically shut they shut down one developer and then took some of the assets and moved them within another company, also called Two Tribes, also publishing under Two Tribes Publishing. 
So it's a weird, like, dance they're doing, but it basically means that um, Two Tribes as we know it is kind of gone. They're not going to do quite as ambitious of indie games. They still, Two Tribes used to do licensed titles, and then, like, 2008 or nine is when they started shifting to indie, and they were doing big indie titles, and now they're going to do smaller indie titles, but still be independent. They're not going to do licensed games. That's not their plan. Well, I mean, I guess with, with Togatory 2, like, considered one of their big... Yeah, ones. that was what caused their problem. Okay, I guess... Yeah. What happened with Tokitori 2? I mean, they are speaking with Nintendo Life, you know, the website, uh, the two founders, and they were explaining all this. And basically what happened with Tokitori 2 is that it had a much longer dev cycle than they were anticipating. So as a result of that, they poured more money into it. And then they didn't make that money back, but they had this hugely ambitious game that took them forever. And then, you know, it sold what an indie game would sell. Or on Did the they lower... get any money from Steam also? Is any of from Steam? The majority of their income comes from the eShop, they said in that interview. Ooh. So... And it didn't make enough back. Now, on a lighter note, Tokitori 2 Plus did much better overall So than the original Tokitori 2. So they were able to recoup some of it, but it just wasn't enough to keep them afloat. That's why they shut down a developer. And as a result, um, they're now playing a focus on smaller games that take less of an investment and less time to make. For example, right now, they're making a side-scoring shooter that's built on the Tokitori 2 engine, but it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. So obviously, they're already familiar with their engine. They know how it works. They're just basically making new assets and faster gameplay. I would imagine. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you do have to wonder though, like, why? I mean, you can't, we kind of said that the majority of their e- of their income comes from the eShop. But you have to wonder, like, is that really what caused the problem? Was it the eShop, or was it something they mismanaged, or you know what I mean? Like, did the eShop underperform? Because I mean, like, I mean, you're saying like, okay, they sold most of the revenue came from the eShop, but it was also available in other systems. So right. clearly, it's more of a bigger problem. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah. oh, I mean, selling best in the eShop, so clearly. There's something good happening there, but overall, I guess, I guess not enough yeah. people care. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, they did say in that Nintendo Life interview I'm looking at right now, they did say, this is a direct quote, uh, that the eShop, you know, they did get a large portion from the eShop, but, quote, it just wasn't enough to run our existing business on. So that made me think when I first read the interview, because now I'm going back and looking at it. You know, it's not to say it's bad, first of all. It's just that the project... You know, the scope of the project was bigger than... They went too big with the scope. It was more... They went beyond what they should have in terms of the ambition that sounds and the money. dream too big. Yeah, but in, not in terms of, like... This sounds horrible to say, I know. But in terms of just, like... It went over budget. And then they couldn't recoup all the budget. That's, I think, the the gist of it. But, uh... And they do say in that same interview... I'm scrolling through it right now. Uh, they do say that Two Tribes... They say that Two Tribes... Two Tribes says... I swear I can talk... That the eShop can still be profitable for them, but they just need to, as long as you know, quote, what you're making and who you're making it for. So that explains why they're downsizing. That explains, you know, the new scope of their projects, how they're a little smaller. It, it kind of makes sense, but it does. And they did actually list Shinen, the guys that make Nano Salt and Jet Rocket and Fast Racing League. They listed them as an example of an eShop-focused developer who is very successful. So they just need a reposition themselves basically mm. which they're now doing but that does for me raise the bigger question of so what's going on with the eShop as a whole because like if two tribes one of the biggest names on the eShop had this trouble well you know what's that mean about Nintendo's indie scene altogether and where things stand mm. when I think Nintendo indies are you think yeah two tribes and way forward and yeah I mean there's a lot of them like Renegade if you, Kid. there is a lot of them there's Renegade Kid two tribes uh Wait for, like you said, Nicholas, the guys that do uh, Cave Story. There's Image and Form, the guys that did Steam World Dig. Mm-hmm. There's the guy that did Gunman Clive. He's a single developer, but he's mostly on Nintendo now. I mean, he's on all systems, but Nintendo's his brand butter. There's a handful for sure, but it's not like it's not like a perfect. It's not like a full list of all the indie devs, and that kind of 
You know, it's it's interesting because we have been supporting Nintendo's indie. Like we've been pretty supportive. Like yeah, Nintendo's doing it right with their indie stuff for a while now, right? Like we talked about it over the last year, year and a half, probably on the show. And they have done a lot right. They have the Nintendo Web Framework, which is that thing where basically you can port HTML5 games into the Wii U. They have free Unity engines for indie devs on the Wii U. They have, you know, they completely redid their uh, policy so you can, can be an individual developer. You don't have a business. They have better support. They have better contacts. They have that guy, Dan Adelman, who's been like spearheading efforts here in, NO, in the Americas through NOA. They're going to events like IndieCade, and they're actually like having a very strong presence at those events like nintendo the biggest booth at indie k back in october here in culver city uh you know they're doing and even when i was at indie k nintendo told me they have 30 indie games coming out for the eShop soon when does the cube coming out i haven't heard anything see about that was that. one that's supposed to be out already i don't know why it got delayed but Aww. but yeah but even then it's like they have all these games like cube and stuff where they're like yeah we have 30 games they're all coming that's great you know it's like awesome point universe already come out or whatever what? called? no not yet that's nowhere near release i think that's late 2014 mm-hmm. you're talking about the pencil one pencil drawn one yeah, then why have I seen a review of it? Oh, that's probably for computer. It's on other systems, yeah. Gotcha. And yeah, and I think, but yeah, so they have all this, you know, they have all those great games coming, right? But in October, they're like, yeah, we have 30 indie games coming soon, and they kind of aren't there yet. And like, I think I'm just starting to notice a trend in general, now that I think about it, that Nintendo's indie situation is really oddly similar to their third-party situation in many ways. Like, if you think about it, with third parties in the past on Nintendo consoles, you could always define their support as either being, you know, some quirky exclusives for Nintendo systems that match Nintendo's, you know, library and kind of mesh with that personality of those games, or they're some standard release ports of something that may or may not be late ports of games that came out on other systems already, or they're just missing games entirely. Like, those are the three categories of third-party support, you know? The weird exclusives, the late ports, or the on-time ports of lesser games, and then the big big games that just never come to Nintendo. You know, like the multi-platform ones, that are like GTA or something. And now we're starting to kind of see that with the eShop as well. Like, among the indie devs, there's different tiers obviously of indie dev, but some are avid supporters of Nintendo and their games match perfectly. I mean, we've rattled off the whole list before, but, you know, you got, like, Mutant Muds from Reggae Kid, you have uh, Cave Story from Nicholas, you have Shantae and My Switch Force and all that from Way Forward, you have Jet Rocket and Nano Assault and uh, Fast from Shinin. You have SteamWorld Dig from Agent Form. Like, all these games make sense on Nintendo. They fit with Nintendo. They feel like Nintendo. You know what I mean? Like, they do feel like extensions of Nintendo's library. So that's great. And those games are great. But, and then there's those late ports I mentioned. So that's the second, like, step of the third-party port that's now on Indie. So you have Cube, like you said. Knit Underground just came out, or is about to come out. Uh, I don't remember which. Um, on Epic's about to come out. That's a port. Uh... You know, the the pencil one you just mentioned. Ballpoint Universe? Ballpoint Universe. That's a port of a PC game. Or maybe it's not on PC, but it's going to uh, hit... It'll hit that first and then come to Wii. Like, their ports of really good... the paper in, one? Is that the one you mentioned already? The, Ballpoint Universe. No, no, the origami one. Oh, Tengami. Well, yeah, that's going to launch on iPad and Wii U, but... Oh. I'll get to that, sort of, at some point, maybe. But what I was going to say is, like... Uh, so these are all, like, the late ports, but they're still there, and they're still supporting Nintendo, and they'll be good games, and people will like them. But that's, like, just like with third parties, it's, like, they have late ports as well. And then the third leg of that is the games that just never show up. And that's the thing that I'm starting to realize Nintendo's still missing. Because like with third parties, there are huge indie games that are hugely popular that never come to Nintendo systems. We got Castle Storm. We got Castle Storm, but back in the... That's not even that huge. I know. <laughs> I, I took me a second. But no, I was going to say, like, remember in the GameCube days, where's Grand Theft Auto? Now, everyone's like, why is there no Minecraft on Wii U? It used to be, where, why is there no Grand Theft Auto on GameCube? Didn't much acknowledge that? Yeah, he did. He said they loved to, but resources. In other words, we don't think it would sell enough. Mm. 
And then, like, you know, that's there's Spelunky, there, which I mentioned earlier in the show. There's there's all sorts of indie games that have a ton of buzz around them. And, like, PS4 and Vita have, like, tons of indie games. And we're only getting a sliver yeah, of it's those. It's funny how, like, um, for BitTrip Runner, all the unlockable characters are characters that were never on right. a Nintendo console. Yeah, that's actually another interesting point. Is, I mean, we uh, almost got Super Meat Boy, but you could play as Dr. Fetus. On right, the right. And actually, yeah, that reminds me, Gaijin Games is another great example of a developer that fits well with the Nintendo, like, the Nintendo vibe. And does well on the platform as a result. All the BitTrip games do well. But like, it's just like, it's weird that we're in these three phases. Like, third-party support was always those three phases of quirky exclusives, late port, or ports, sometimes late, sometimes on time, and then just missing AAA titles. And now we're kind of in those exact same buckets with indie support. Like, Nintendo somehow didn't quite learn. I don't know. I don't think it's even Nintendo's fault, per se. But And that's really not to belittle any of the games that are coming out. Because there are a ton of really cool and interesting-looking games. I mean, you mentioned... Uh, uh, Tengami just now. That's a good example. As is, like, you know, there's Armillo, there's Shovel Knight, there's Scram Kitty, there's... Scram Kitty's exclusive, actually, there, as is Armillo. There's Teslagrad. There's a ton of really interesting... I'm looking... actually getting pretty excited about Armillo. Yeah, Armillo looks cool, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I... I I'm, I'm coming around a lot more. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good, good. We, uh... I'm hoping we could cover it in some interesting ways in the coming months, because we have chatted with it. I have talked to developers, so we'll see. But, um... Yeah, like, there's all these really good games coming to Wii U. Not, don't get me wrong. But, but, we're still missing so many games. I just, I just don't get. And it's just like, and the, and the games that are on Wii U and are on 3DS and do match those Nintendo mark, you know, do match how Nintendo games are in terms of vibe and whatnot, they are performing well. Mutant Muds, best-selling version, eShop version. Uh, Gunman Clive, best-selling version by a long shot, eShop version. That's confirmed by both developers in that well, case. I mean, so it's has, not me just saying that. That's confirmed. Well, I mean, hasn't it been on in the eShop for over a year now? Right. But Mutant Muds is, is now on every single system, and it's still sold significantly better on eShop. Uh, Gunman Clive has sold over a quarter of a million, the vast majority of which are on the eShop. Yeah, some of the ports took a little longer, but not everyone has, as we know, not that many people have Wii U's or 3DS's. 3DS is now better, but when, mm. you know, when Mutant Muds came out, it was still in its... It wasn't at the heights it is now. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that those are still best-selling on eShop shows people... Nintendo fans will buy these games if they make sense for the platform. The problem is we're still missing a lot of the AAA ones. So I guess my real point is that uh, when you have huge titles like Minecraft, when you have all those AAA indie games, and they're coming to other systems and not Nintendo's, the people that want those games will go to those other systems and not Nintendo's. And what that means for Nintendo, as evident by two tribes who focus heavily on Nintendo now having to like readjust and rescale, you know, downscale themselves, it shows that the companies that do support Nintendo won't necessarily get as many sales. Because if Lil Timmy wants Minecraft, his mom's going to get him a PS4 or Xbox 360 or any number of other systems because it's not on Nintendo. And when that or when that indie game is missing, the best version and have them play it on the computer. Or even that. But my point is when the when it's missing from Nintendo's library, it's the same issue as what happened when Grand Theft Auto was missing. We didn't get any other mature raid games of that sort because it's like, well, the audience isn't there. Where's the audience for, you know, like, the developers that aren't supporting Nintendo, where are they, what's going to convince them to jump on the indie bandwagon unless real big indie games are selling real big numbers? There are exceptions, of course, there are still really good games, don't get me wrong, it's just like, Nintendo's in this weird rut where it's very similar to third parties, where they're probably going to do all sorts of things to entice people. But it might not help in the long run. They might never get these games, and then more they do. Especially since Wii U sales aren't that great. 
But so that's my point. It's kind of a long-winded way to go. But I just wanted to stress that you know we do get a lot of games. We do have a lot of good supporters of the indie scene. It's just not nearly as many as it should be. I mean, PlayStation somehow managed to like get quadruple in like a year. They probably money handed them, which Nintendo refuses to do. But hey, I mean, the flip side of that is that Nintendo's stock is growing crazy right now, like growing by leaps and bounds. So hey, maybe they do have the money to money hat. So and speaking of their stock, that's actually a good transition to the last thing, the last bit of news to talk about. Um, I, well, before we do that, I mean, was there anything you disagreed with with my thoughts on the indie scene, or that seemed pretty much? No, everything was pretty. I, mean, I, I agree with everything. If just if anything, just the stock thing. I just get surprised whenever I saw a tweet saying like, "Oh, it rose up four point five percent or something." And wait, what? No, I was just surprised. Like every time I would those stock increases, like I guess I. With all the Wii U stuff, I wasn't really expecting. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, you're already on the stock thing. I thought you were talking no, about the indie thing. Like, no, no, the indie thing, uh, I didn't yeah, anything yeah. else to add. Yeah. But yeah, the stock thing, the test stock is like growing leaps and bounds. You're right. There are many tweets like it's going up by this, it's going up by that. Like in the last few weeks, they've been growing quite quickly. I mean, part of it, like there was one day that at one point their stock grew by um, 11% per share in a day. And the stock markets they're in, the Neki Daily, Daily whatever, Neki Stock Exchange, or Nikai, or however you say it, N-I-K-K-E-I, the average stock growth that day was 1%. Nintendo went up 11%. So clearly something's happening. And a big part of that might be that China recently listed, uh, lifted its foreign game console ban, which is huge news. Now, I don't know how many people know this or not, but in 2000, China actually outright banned foreign consoles from being uh, sold in their country. They claimed it was corrupting the youth. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they said it was corrupting the youth. So what Nintendo did up after that was they formed a new company, a partnership with a Chinese company, and they made the IQ. That's I-Q-U-E. It was a plug-and-play N64 controller, but you couldn't go buy games anywhere. You downloaded them from kiosks in malls and stuff. Like, you bring your controller, plug it into the kiosk, you'll download the ROM of Mario 64, Zelda Ocarina of Time, whatever, in Chinese, onto the game thing, and they go home and play it. Because that didn't count as a console. There were no cartridges. It was just a plug-and-play sort of thing. Oh. So they were able to circumvent it. Then somehow, probably because they're partly a Chinese company, IQ, and it's not foreign in that case, Nintendo was able to release the DS as the IQ DS, the 3DS as the IQ 3DS, and they also had like, the DSi and some Game Boys and whatnot. So, and I guess because they're not consoles, they were able to slip those through a little easier. So Nintendo's had Chinese support, just weak Chinese support, because they only get half the money since IQ isn't them exactly. It's like a yeah. sister company. But now that the ban is lifted, for the first time Nintendo can directly... They're saying goodbye to IQ? What? They're saying goodbye to IQ. Yeah, in a way. I don't, I, I assume they might keep the brand alive for the handhelds, because that's what people in China know it as. Hmm. But they are, they, are, uh, they are now able to directly sell to Chinese consumers... At least in one special place. Apparently the ban is only lifted in Shanghai's free trade market, which is like, there's a chunk of Shanghai, like the city of Shanghai, that you can sell imported goods however you want, with, with some restrictions, and now game consoles can be sold there, so anyone that goes to Shanghai can go pick up the console. But with a country with 13 billion people, Nintendo just, had, just found themselves deep, deep, deep in the new blue ocean. They have, I mean, granted, 13 billion people are not going to be going to Shanghai to buy a Wii U, but a million people, sure. They can very easily sell to these people that they couldn't sell to before. And it's a huge market. And that's probably why the stock's going up. Because they have this huge untapped potential. And even better is, obviously, Wii U sales are down here. Not no, They're nowhere near what Nintendo's anticipating them being. They're not going to hit the goal they said of 9 million, most likely. I think it was 9 million, 14 million, something like that. But uh, as a result, 
they might get closer at least because now between now and March they can sell in China. So they could sell a couple million units in China. He knew. He secretly is China. He set it up so he can do a surprise revival. He is the leader of China. That might not be true. I actually don't think that's true. I may have made that up. But no, it's uh, so yeah, that's why the stock's rising. It's just because of the China situation. And um, on top of that, there's also the, uh, you know, this also helps with the 100 billion yen in revenue that Iwata wanted to hit this year. That's another thing I should have mentioned with the sales goals. Because if you recall last year, he's like, oh, this year it's 100 billion yen or nothing. Like, we're going to do it. We're going to release Pokemon. We're going to release this. We're going to release that. We're going to hit that goal. Here comes a whole bunch of money from China. So it's certainly looking more likely. Um, it's also worth no- knowing that Nintendo stock growth could in part be due to the financial briefing coming up on January 29th. We mentioned it earlier in the show that they do have one coming up. And just, you might be thinking, oh, okay, so people are buying stocks more because Nintendo's going to announce weak sales? That doesn't make sense. But... What you may be forgetting is that um, last January at their financial briefing, they announced stuff. And that, those announcements coincided with the Nintendo Direct. And last January, we got confirmation of Wind Waker HD, Yarn Yoshi, Mario Kart, and Smash Bros. All for Wii U, all in one Nintendo Direct, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. So, lots of investors going, oh, oh, their sales are down again. It's January. Are they going to do what they did last year? Are we going to get a whole slew of games? Are we going to announce some really game-changing things while I want to step down, possibly? Like, there's so much anticipation, either good or bad, about what's happening that they're buying stock on speculation and buying stock on rumors. And then, of course, when Nintendo fails to deliver, they're good, it's good, the stock's going to plummet because everyone's going to sell. But that's how the stock market works. You buy on anticipation and expectation, and then you sell on actuality. That's why Apple stock goes down every time they do a sales report. Even though sales are fine, it's like, yeah, but they're not what they could be because, you know, you're, you're selling seven bajillion iPhones now, but what are you selling after the iPhone? What's next? You haven't told us. So we 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 don't trust you enough to like we don't wanna we don't know what you're gonna do, so we're gonna sell the stock. Like people sell on spec sell and buy based on speculation, not on actuality. It's like so, gambling. It really is. The stock market's just a giant gambling machine. That's what Wolf and Wolf of Wall Street ta- taught me. Besides how to say the F word five hundred and eight times in three hours, that's an average of two point five times per minute, by the way. And what a variety of different naked women look like. It also taught me that the stock market can be played. And, you know, obviously people aren't playing it with Nintendo's stock quite, but the whole idea of buying anticipation factors into that. Mm-hmm. Oh. So with that said, we of course will, like I said earlier as well, we will be covering Nintendo's uh, financial meeting, and whatever news comes out of it in the episode following it, uh, you know, it's on January 29th, our following episode we'll talk about it. But next episode we will have NPD numbers for December, so we'll have a look at the U.S. sales and where Nintendo stands here in the U.S. versus the competition versus themselves. Uh, so yeah, definitely the next two episodes are going to be interesting in terms of Nintendo as a company. And who knows? Maybe we'll learn. Maybe they'll reveal some new stuff that factors in the uh, indie game assessment that I was talking about, where it's like they get, they have all these great indie games, but they're missing so many more. So I sure that's a nutshell of what I was saying about the the eShop's indie scene. They have so many great games, but there are so many more they don't have, and then you get them. That's probably the nicest way to say it, instead of a 10-minute rant. But anyway, yeah, that pretty much um, yeah, that pretty much does it for news. So, of course, we do have what we're playing, and since news was relatively light this this past two weeks, um, we decided to cram in a whole bunch of games. So we're going to be talking about Mario Party Island Tour, Bravely, the Bravely Default demo for the 3DS, uh, as well as the Wii U's Wii Sports Club Golf, and Rush from Toki Tori developer Two Tribes. So, should we start with... I guess Mario Party? Okay. Okay, so, I mean, you've played this more than I have. Neither of us, we should probably say up front, neither of us actually own the game. 
it was Jose's brother Elvis, who you may recall being on last episode, yeah, yeah, who has the, it. He was the only one that actually stayed um, optimistic about it. I was kind of like, I don't think I'm going to get and it. And I was completely indifferent. <laughs> yeah, and then, I don't, know, I don't know why I was down on it. I guess I just wasn't so excited for it. But then after playing it, I was like, wow. This it's actually, actually really pretty fun. Awesome. Yeah, we played a bunch of multiplayer, and it's it's good. Yeah, so I'm happy to say that it's really, really fun. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because like, Mario Party has been such a... like. Or not, yeah, Mario Party has been kind of so convoluted over the years. Like, there's so many layers they add to it. That's interesting, because this one, they went, like, backwards. They streamlined it, like, crazy. They took out so many things. There's, it's so much more, like, point A to point B, you're done. But it's still so different, though. Like, every game is really different. If anything, going back to regular stars now would become, would be the new fresh thing, since I feel like I haven't seen that in... That's true. Decades. But yeah, it's just funny that like Mario Party is just the latest in like a row of like it's like in 2013 is like Nintendo's let's streamline everything here like Pokemon is streamlined, Zelda is streamlined, Yoshi's New Island when it comes out is streamlined at least stripped down, and then <laughs> uh, and now this is streamlined too because there's a lot a lot of the modes we'll run through all the modes but because they're all very different like you said but a lot of them are literally like there's no like you're not gonna get stuck in a circle trying to get a star that gets randomly generated somewhere on the board it's like the stars are always at this one location and you have one direct path to them. And they're not well, even stars anymore. They're like yeah, they're just different stars. objectives. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, what you're talking about is only that's only one of them. Yeah, one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we should run through the games and we'll give overall impressions. So, which so, is your favorite in the bunch? You know, because you might as well start I, with I, your I, favorite. I, I think the Bowser one, Bowser's particular peak, peculiar peak, I should say. Particular peak. <laughs> <laughs> that peak right there, that's Bowser's particular one. The others are the Koopalings. That's par- Bowser. It's particularly peculiar. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so how's it work? Explain it. So it's um a beginning and ending course. It's just one long stretch of land, and you right. just traverse it. And um, what makes this one interesting that um usually in some other courses, the first one to get to the ending of it wins, but this one you want to be the last one. So, every round you play a mini game, and the winner doesn't receive bonus dice, while everyone else receives, depending on your place order, a bonus die that you roll in addition to your regular die. Which basically makes you move more spots. Yeah, so if you get second place, you'll get one with one through three, fourth place, one through like four or something, and last place will get one that's one through six. Right. But it could also be so random that if the person who ends up winning and doesn't have to roll the bonus dice could still end up having to go the furthest. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, it's just different it's it's, it's like yeah because when we played it it felt like it was just flipping the mario party formula on its head a little even more so than the other game because it's like with mario party it's always you want to be the first at everything you want to do the best at everything and this one yes you still want to win the mini games but in actuality you want to hang back as long as you can on the board and not make progress in the grand scheme of things yeah which is much. harder to do than you think when you're rolling die dice and it randomly generates numbers but yeah but because of the way it's designed you can only have I mean, you still have one winner, but as yeah. soon as one person um, makes it all the way to the end, they activate like a like an end game where if you roll higher than a three, you automatically lose, and the mm-hmm. game ends, and whoever is furthest away from the goal wins. Yeah, and yeah, it just ends. A lot of so these... it ends really abruptly. Yeah, I like when we played it. I'm like, and, wait, that that's and, it. And, and mileage may vary. Like a lot of these games, um, like well, that's Bowser's one. You know, it's pretty much they all kind of incorporate the same mini games anyway, but that's just like the core structure. Yeah, but the other one that. Mileage varies a ton. Is um, Bondi Bills Mad Mountain. That one when my brother and I played it. That's the one that um they spent a lot of time explaining. That's the one I watched where... literally fifteen minutes in Nintendo Direct, just being like, so there's a bullet bill, and he might hit you, but he might not. It's a game of chance. So what you need to do is you're walking down a path. The bullet bill could come at you, but there's little coves you can duck into. You can duck into them, but then you lose a turn because you're wasting a turn ducking in. 
So it's a risk reward of do I duck in or do I take the risk? And he spent literally like he was talking at that speed for like fifteen minutes about. It. Sorry, I interrupted you. I just like I thought it was very funny how he explained it. Well, pretty much when you roll the dice, it's a six-sided die, but one of the sides has a bullet bill on it. So if you roll a five, you spend four. Yeah, use four of your yeah four of your movement spaces mm-hmm. on going four spaces. But then your fifth space, you could go one space further or go or into go the into cove. the cove thing, the cave, yeah. not cove. And um, when my brother and I played it, we kept rolling bullet bills, or the computers kept rolling bullet bills, so we just kept getting hit. And it took us forever to get to the end. And when you get to the end, the last space is the bullet bill space that would just activate it. Right. So there's, yeah, it's a two and six chance of getting yeah. the bullet bill. It is worth mentioning that there's only about 30 spaces in the whole board, maybe 40 in there's the length less. of the board. I think there's... 15. 20? 15? Yeah. So yeah. So, so, it it took, so, so it took us like maybe 25 minutes to get through it. When we played with Jason, no, the bullet belt. We were done never, in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, the bullet belt never came out. It was, yeah. it was bound to happen, I guess. So that means we're bound to get a match where everyone rolls a bullet bill. Of course, one match or another. That's for how like 20 turns. Yeah, but, that's how chance works. Yeah, but um, what's interesting to note also that all these um different kinds of boards, um, they have three different um scales. They have they're based on skill, luck, and mini games. And obviously this one has the luck meter filled up all the way yeah. with the skill one down all the way. And there's other ones that have like mini game. They're more emphasized emphasized on mini games and mm-hmm. the other ones aren't. Like this one, um if you win a mini game, you get you move five free spaces, second place moves four, three, two, whatever. Yeah. So, honestly that might be one of the better things about Island Tour, which is pretty good in its own right, don't get me wrong. But that uh yeah, the fact that, coins that you actually oh, I didn't mean that, oh, sorry. Yeah. I meant the uh the fact that they give you different games with different balances of luck versus skill versus what was the third one luck and skill minigames yeah minigames like in the sense that like so many people feel Mario Party is cheap so many people like the randomness so they have different modes that appeal to different people so there's really like a little something for everyone yep yeah that, yep. that's why I was saying it was actually one of the core things because there's what like nine modes in total is that right mm, yep yeah no seven four five six seven yep yeah seven but, uh, yeah, it's just, like, the fact that there is that variety. And the thing is, even within each minigame, it's still very simple and stripped down. Like, yes, there's seven different minigames that do different things, but all of them are very clear in how they work, and it's very point A to point B, even if there are, like, diverging ways to get to point B. At the end of the day, there's one end, and there's one beginning, and that is it. There's no circle you go in forever, and things randomly moving in said circle. It's just clear cut. Yeah. But so, what, are some, what are some of the other modes that you really so, like? So, moving on, there's Perilous... Palace Path. That's pretty much the opposite of the Bowser one. You just get to the... Right, it's a, run, to it's a race to, to see who can get to the end first. Yeah, and there's just, like, different obstacles. You get, instead of getting dice blocks that make you go back, you get mushrooms and stars and stuff right. like that, and just give you more dice blocks. Mm-hmm. Probably the most random one is called um, Rocket Road. Yeah, this one's... This one's Galaxy theme. I don't know, I, I personally like it just because of how random it is. The Galaxy theme is amazing, by the way. Like... It's, it's, first of all, it's very weird to see a Mario Galaxy game be referenced inside, like, a, you know, not traditional Mario game. Because I'm always used to that being, like, a generation or two behind. You know, like, Smash Bros. didn't have a Galaxy stage. I mean, it does now for the new one, but Brawl didn't have a Galaxy stage, you know. It was, like, and, like, it was a big deal when Nintendo started putting Mario Sunshine references in Mario Party. So now I see Galaxy, and they're like, wait, am I that old? Is Galaxy that old of a game already? And then, sure enough, we, it's, what, it's been five years since Galaxy 1 came out. That's crazy. That's literally all I thought when I was playing it. It was like, why is this galaxy themed? It's a new game. And then I realized, no, it's not. I'm just old. Yep. At age 24, I'm old. Someone that's older than me is going to be like, ah, you're not old, kid. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to contemplate. So Rocket Road, that. pretty much this game is just about increasing your odds as much as possible, but you're never guaranteed to win. So you roll a, another 
this excited die. One of the sides is zero, which means you're going to move zero spaces. The other are just one through five. Mm -hmm. And um, what you do throughout the board game, there's some spaces that give you, like, boosters. And rockets, for, in fact. Well, that's what they're called, boosters. But, yeah, you're right. But it's called rockets. It's called Rocket Rogue. Well, they should have called them rockets, then. They should have called it booster... They're booster rockets. I don't know, yeah. Whatever. The well, point is, <laughs> you collect boosters, and for every booster you collect, it increases the multiplier for the die. So if you have... So if you use one booster, you multiply all the totals on the die by two. If you have three boosters, by three and four and so on. Right. Five being the max. But you still have that chance of rolling zero. So this one has, like, I think 15... It has less than 20... Like, around 20 spaces in order to cross the finish line. So if you collect, like, four or five boosters, you could finish it, like, really early. But you mm -hmm. could also roll a zero, which has happened a ton. Or you could also land on a space that sends you all the way back to the beginning. That happened to me, by the way, the so, rolling a zero. So I had a times four multiplier. Four times zero, by the way, is still zero. Yeah. It's sucked. <laughs> so it's one of those management vary games. It could go by really fast or really slow. And the mini games this time, like, first place will get three boosters, second place two, third place one. And there's also two spaces in the game where if you land on them, one booster from every person is taken away and they get raffled. Well, they get awarded to whoever wins the mini game. Mm -hmm. So one person could end up going away with four boosters. So. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they'll win, but their odds increase. Right. The And then there's two boards that involve playing cards that are kind of weird. One of them involves um, everyone has like three or four cards between them. And you just pretty much spend, you use them to move that many spaces. One will have a five, one will have a three... And one will have like a six and a one, and it's just random which one you'll use. Mm -hmm. And depending on which you use, you could pretty much plan, okay, I want to land on this space, and then this space, and then that space. But it's another race to get to the end. But you have to make it to the last spot with the exact number of spaces. Right. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Not this one. This one, you just have to get to the end. Okay. The point of this one is to not have a Bowser card, because one person will randomly have a Bowser card. And if you make it to the end with a Bowser card, you can't win. They send you back like a few spaces. Mm-hmm. But in order to get rid of it, every turn, every time it's your turn, you're going to randomly grab a card from the person that goes after you. So, okay, yeah, I follow. So you're going to see their cards on your touchscreen, but they're all going to be face down. And it's going to give them a moment to shuffle them. So you move the cards around, and then you pick a card, and then if it's the bother one, now you're stuck with it. Right. But if it's not, then you get one of their so cards. So it's almost like hot potato in a weird way. Yeah, like it's a very slow moving hot potato. Yeah, so you could you no, know, you could try to bluff them. I mean, you could use maybe some reverse psychology. Right. I mean, you are allowed to talk to them, so no, you're not. <laughs> when you play Mario Party, you're not allowed to have any social interaction with people <laughs> you're playing with. You have to sit in silence with cones on your head, so you can't even see people around you. That probably would be the best strategy in this case, because there were times where my brother would be picking a card that wasn't about the card, and he'd look at my fist and I like give it away without wanting to. And like, oh, oh well, yeah, yeah. you're yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not yeah. And then the other one that uses cards is another race, but that one you do have to land exactly on the spot. Mm -hmm. So that one's more about just managing your cards at the right time and just, yeah, just, just about micromanagement. And it's right. actually pretty fun. The last one is the one that Jason meant when he talked about mini stars. This one yeah. is not so much a race. This is the most, I'd argue, I'd argue this is the most Mario Party-ish yeah. of all of them. It's the most Mario Party 9-ish since there's mini stars. Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. For sure. So pretty much like it's split into four sections and each one ends with I guess a pedestal where whoever gets there first gets said number of mini stars could be ten and then the second person gets the next amount and third amount and fourth amount. The catch is that depending on where you land you On the could, board, yeah. Yeah, on the board you could manipulate the order of which like who will get what. Like you could change first whoever gets there first may get one star, second, third. So you could make it 
Work in your favor. There's also uh, negative stars you can get over the course of the four, which have the absolutely ridiculous name of Zatars. Z-T-A-R-S. I, I, I just call them Zars. Yeah, I would call that. I, they should have just said star backwards. What's star backwards? Rats. Yeah, you should, they should just have little rats. There you <laughs> go. I can't believe I couldn't figure out star backwards is rats. That's sad. Wait, is it? Yeah. Star. Yeah. Race car backwards is race car. Yeah, and kayak backwards is kayak. Welcome, everyone, to Random Palindromes, where we just cite, <laughs> re, we start reciting palindromes for absolutely no reason. They are palindromes, Bob. right? Are they palindromes? Is that what they're called? That's sure. what they're called. <laughs> anyway. I, those are the only ones I know, Race Car, Kayak, so, and Bob. So, like, yeah, like, so in the first, like, little group, everyone will get... Mom. Dad. Sorry. So everyone, everyone will get mini stars. In the second group, like Jason said, is when they start incorporating the negative stars. The TARS. So, I think the second group, like, only the last person will get punished, but then in the third area... Um, all but one person will get punished. Yeah. So, and then the last, last, last area, there's tons of rewards, but the last person gets punished very severely. So, yep. you kind of want to get there first, but also depending on the situation, you might not. So. Yeah, and depending on how people manipulate the order of the stars. Like, you could be so close and think you're going to get, like, 10 mini stars and be all psyched, and then next thing you know, you have 15 Zatars, and you're like, I don't know what these are, but I hate them. Yeah, so this one... It's potentially one of the most strategic, but it really does depend on where you land. It's so, also the most Mario Party. So it's the most strategic if you land on those spaces that allow oh, you yeah, to manipulate yeah. the order, but it does come down to chance, because they're all governed by the dice roll. Yeah. yeah. And it is worth mentioning that, obviously, these are different boards and different ways to get to the mini games. but at the end of the day, Mario Party is still all about the mini games. Yep. Which is the other half of the game, which is the, the part... I could, are great. They are. That's okay. what I was going to say. I could probably talk a little bit more about this, because I played a bunch of different modes with you. We spent a good evening or two evening doing it, but oh, the mini games are what stuck with me. But, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll Sorry. just quickly like mention this. Um, my, I watched my brother play the AR games. How are those? Um, they work. They, oh, uh, so technically sound, but fun <laughs> level? <laughs> um... I guess not. It's like something that could have been done without the AR. I mean, it's just a tower sticking up. It's just a gimmick, I guess. Is it like Tetris Axis where it had the tower that had the... No, no, no. Because uh, no. Tetris Axis, pretty much like Tetris on you tower. You have your character... You only use the, the circle pad. Just You're just climbing a tower and then stacks are... You, the tower keeps growing and these blockades appear so you have to kind of walk around them mm-hmm. and it's kind of going into lava so you don't want to take too long. So it's like a mini game only. And, is and it like one mini game? Is that it? There's a few different versions of it. But oh, okay. Yeah, so. It is kind of like Tetris Axis with the Tetris Tower. Stuff is falling from the top and you oh, have to navigate. Right. Well, yeah, the little guy is climbing. Yeah, the little dude. I kind of forgot what Tetris runner, Tower runner, was. Runner, no, not Runner. What's his name? I don't remember. But yeah, if anyone has Tetris Axis out there, all 3,000 of you because that game did not sell well. Uh, yeah, it's it sounds it, that's actually a pretty fun mode. I'll be honest. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not bad, but I mean, it's, it's just there. It's 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 whatever. Yeah. yeah. But the mini games, from what I played, I mean, uh, they're pretty good because what they did is they didn't they didn't do what a lot of Mario Party suffer from, where they over rely on a specific control scheme and it gets too gimmicky. Like this one, yes, there are touch based mini games. Yes, there are gyro based mini games. Yeah, there were yes, the, there, there, were there weren't a ton of press A really fast. That yeah, there's not a ton of press A. There's not a ton of well, oh, spin your 3ds as fast as you can like a basketball. Actually, they've never done that. <laughs> but there's not any like the gyro ones are like aiming things. They're not like you know or steering or steering. They're not anything insane. The uh, the touch screen ones you're never like scribbling rapidly like in early DS games or any, or Mario Party DS had a few of those. Like it's much more subdued it's just like it's using them in logical ways opposed to just like doing it for the sake of doing it you know yeah and some of them some of the ones actually incorporate the 3d really well like there's a gyro one where you're shooting a dart through a whole bunch of those fuzzy enemy guys from mario yeah. 3d from mario world not 3d world they say new york they say new york according to the onomatopoeia from paper mario oh 
I always thought, what are they even called? Are they fuzzies? Fuzz- oh, they are fuzzies. So yeah. they're the, they're the ones that if you touch them, you get dizzy in Yoshi. Not, touch fuzzy, no. get dizzy. Touch fuzzy, get dizzy. That's no, also but those are white and have like little hairies. See, that's why I got confused. I think because those are fuzzies. Whatever these do. I guess they're also called fuzzies. Maybe maybe they're like humans and come in multiple colors. I'm gonna find out. But um, yeah, well, you looked that up. I was just gonna say this minigame is actually really cool because you're aiming with the gyro. You're aiming a dart from a first-person perspective with the gyroscope. So all you see on the top screen in 3D is the dart, and then like 20 rows of these fuzzy guys on their little tracks. And you want to do it when they, you want to shoot the dart to as many fuzzies as possible. So when they basically all line up, and that's really cool in 3D. Like the game, that's the thing about this Mario Party, at least to me, is it has all these different aspects of the 3DS in use, but it never overloads you with any single one. It doesn't when it's necessary. It doesn't when it's logical. Yes, everything's in 3D, but it doesn't like do stupid gimmicky 3D. It does 3D where it makes sense. So yeah, there's depth. And then there's depth that's utilized within the gameplay, if that makes sense. So yeah, they so were both right. They're, they're both fuzzy. Yeah, they're both called fuzzies, even though they're completely different characters. Hmm. The ones from Yoshi Island are the white fluffy ones that make. They're the movie. drugged out ones. Yeah. They, and, yeah, and these are the ones that look like electricity monsters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so like that's just one main game to me that really stuck out. It's like, oh hey, this is a really cool use of the 3DS that doesn't feel gimmicky. They don't look fuzzy though. And they, they don't. They look very spiky. Uh. And it's just like a lot of the games like that. Whenever you start a minigame, it pops up with a, like, here's how you control it. Like, literally, it'll be like, you're using the gyro now, or you're using the buttons now. And it's just like, yeah, that's how that's how it should be, is my point. Because they could probably do it without the, you're using this now, because they tell you on the instruction screen anyway. But just the fact that they're like, here's all these features, we're not going to overload you. It's like, you're only using this one feature now. You're using buttons. You're using the touchscreen. Like, it's nice that they just use what makes sense and don't, don't try and gimmick it out yeah. too much. That could have that. I mean, really no issue with her. But I think those menus, I guess, where you're kind of looking at the game, could have looked a lot spiffier. Oh, they could. It looks like it looks like Wii Sports. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know. I guess the other Mario Party just like even the 64 one was like sometimes there was a balloon theme or something. They were jumping into a present or. Yeah, this one literally is like a Wii Sports instruction screen from the original Wii Sports. Just like pops up for no reason. And I remember like you could control the characters like in their little little bubble sometimes even before yeah. you start the mini game. Yeah. Oh, in the old ones, yeah. yeah. In, like Mario Party. Just to kind of like test out the controllers without actually doing a practice. Yeah. Well, this is a different developer. It's not maybe part. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah ND Cube versus oh. who did Wii Party and Wii Party U and Mario Party Nine and Mario Party Nine versus Hudson, who used to do all of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, were there any particular minigames that jumped out at you? I mean, the fuzzy one for like me was favorite. Where we, the which like, one? Where you slide. Oh, yeah, water. it's like, it's almost like, it's almost like the uh, Mario 64 castle slide. Yeah, just But you're all, control. yeah, <laughs> and you're all, it's like the four of you are racing to see who can either get farthest or to the end. And it gets really narrow, and you control it with the gyro, not the stick, which you would think would be kind of ridiculous, but actually works really well with the gyro. Yeah. Yeah, that one's fun. That one's really also, fun. Also, like, this is one where you're I guess it's going on a circular track, kind of like Baby Park and Mario Kart Double, Double Dash. Dash. But it's all slippery, and you have to, like, kind of... You want to cut oh, corners, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you might crash. And, and that, is, that one's controlled with the stick, right? Yeah. See, that's what... There's a good example of they're not shoehorning the controls in for the sake of shoehorning the controls in. Like, that could have totally been gyro, and, this, and the overly slippery physics would fit gyro. Yeah. But it just feels better with the stick, so they went with the stick. And then there's another one where... Um, it reminds me a lot of one called Battleshock. It was the tank one from Mario Party 2, except... I remember that, yeah, yeah. But this one, um, I guess instead of you only having two lives and you're out and it's last man wins, this mm-hmm. one is just first one of three hits wins. Right. So they, They've had a few like that, like before... Streamlined. Yeah. Fits the theme. <laughs> like before, they've had a few where you're like on a hovercraft and it's the exact same idea, but this one you're tanked again. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of miss the... 
I guess the model where it's like the tank and you're just the head on top. Oh, that was the like best. That. Do they have bumper balls? Do they have any version of bumper balls? Actually, Every do. single yeah, Mario Party has had a it's, variant it's of bumper balls. It's identical to bumper balls, except instead of bumping each other off, you have to collect mythical notes. Oh, that's different. Not the same. I meant full-on bumper cars. Like, the bumper balls I know in No, no, but it controls the same and it, everything is... Oh, oh, but still, you have to bump them off. That's what bumper balls are oh, all yeah, about. Yeah. You're, this is musical ball collection, not, <laughs> not bumper balls, but... That's cool that they brought back the physics in the balls, at least. Yep. They brought back the balls. Um, yeah, is there anything else? I mean, a single player. We only did multiplayer. What, oh, I did not. I feel, like, I feel like the game... I mean, yeah. I know there's a single player tower where you just go and try and get progress, beat progressively harder main games. I know you can play against the computer. Yeah, there's kind of a story, but not really. Just kind of like tiny character story. Yeah. But I only watched my brother play that briefly. He's like, oh, I'm going to do it with Luigi. And then there were like some text dialogue, and then right. he ran into the... But I was just going to say, though, that it feels like Mario Party, evident by the fact that we had a blast with multiplayer and your brother barely touched single player. Because he said he did it, but then it sounded Well, like that's only there. because we were here and he wanted to play with us. Right, that's what I'm getting at. It sounds like, as is always the case in Mario Party, yes, there's a single player component, but really this is a multiplayer game. And since it's not online, make sure you have a good group of I friends. guess it's there because, like, oh, it's a handhold. They're bound to be by themselves yeah. 90% of the time, so we yeah. have to give them something to do when they're by themselves. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, when we were playing Mario Party Island Tour and we were all, like, sitting in the same room on our 3DSs, glancing at each other and whatnot, I still sort of understand why Nintendo didn't make it online. We complained a ton leading up to the release about how dumb it was that wasn't online. And I still think an online mode would have helped, but there's no way they could recreate online the local experience online like just having a group of friends with you playing mario party stupid stuff is happening you're getting sabotaged you're you know last second things in mini games where you win all especially stuff where the stages are different like bowser it's like oh i was you know i was in the back now somehow you're behind me what like all that sort of like all that stuff works so much better when you're with a group of friends in the same room like physically in the same place joking around playing together versus over the internet where yeah you have voice chat but you don't see their reactions on the priceless moments like i could see why so Nintendo kind of about the Star Fox 3D camera thing, even though it's only yeah, local. yeah, yeah. Star, yeah, that's right. Star Fox is for 3D multiplayer. Until they did a look camera. up at your face. I'm gonna look at it here. Yeah, that was the dumbest thing. But uh, but no, this is like this is actually like I get it. I don't. I think online wouldn't have hurt, but I could see why they wanted to focus on local multiplayer. And honestly, that's one of the very nice things about Island Tours. We Elvis was the only one who owned the game. All of us were playing the entire full game experience off Elvis's one game card. It's one copy of the game needed to do a full multiplayer mode. All the modes, all the minigames, everything. Time to download. It took everything 45 was... seconds tops to download. And that's yeah. probably exaggerating. It's probably more like 30. But yeah, it's just, it's it's enjoyable. There's no, like, it's not the most amazing game ever, in so my opinion, a, but it's fun. To play with, it's definitely worth getting. Yeah. Surprisingly, because we were really down and out on it leading up to release. Yeah. And even after release, we covered Mario 3D World. We covered Zelda. very optimistic about it the whole time. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's a, it's a good game. It's harder to I think it's harder to sell to sell to someone if it's if they're only playing single player. But as a multiplayer experience, totally, yeah. really fun. One of the better 3ds multiplayer experiences up there with Kart. I'd argue. Like we were having a blast. We played yeah. like four hours, five hours straight, or some ridiculous amount. It was really fun. So so that's uh that's Mario Party Island tour. One down, three to go in terms of pressures. Next up, something we also have both played is uh, the Bravely Default demo. That is Nintendo's and Square Enix's big RPG for 3DS that comes out in a little under a month on February 7th. And what they did was they released a demo on the eShop just at the start of this, you know, start of this month where um, you got a whole side quest. You could play the entire side quest and you can port over some of the stuff from the side quest into the main game. Now, because it's an independent side quest that's not in the main game, you can't actually port over everything, like your character stats, 
or your character's job or whatever, but you can port over, um, sorry, I had it here, what you could port over, where'd I put it? I had a nice little Your list. sleeping, your battery, your nope. alt thing? Nope, where did I put it? Did I delete it somehow? Isn't this riveting podcasting? I have a list somewhere. Uh, well, anyway, you can pour over certain things, not everything. You can't, you can't pour, you can pour over, they have special, uh, bonus play sets, I think is what they call it, where you can basically pour it over, they give you pre, like, pre-bundled items, like a bundle of items for completing certain things in the demo, and those get poured over into the main game, and you can pour it over, uh... Clothing? <laughs> clothes, no. Um. I have it. I have it. This is gonna drive me crazy, by the way. Oh, well, I don't have it. Okay, so, yeah, you can pour over some things, but not everything. So it's just, it's one of those things, like, self-contained demo gives you a good sense of the game, but don't expect all your progress to jump over. You really get, like, key things that jump over. So with that said, what yeah, I mean, does... it does warn you when you play, like, right in the very beginning, it says, like, oh, your save file will not carry over to the main game. Some of these exactly. things carry over to us, so... so yeah, know. but what... Yeah, it's... Exactly, <laughs> you'll know, and it's not, like, too horrible or anything what you don't get. But with that said, what the side quest of this demo is, and it's a self-contained thing, is you're helping... Restore a town of Norendi, Norend, Norin, Norend, Norend, Norendi village. And uh, for the purpose of the demo, the only way you can restore a town is through three different things. You complete little quests and side missions for characters. One by one, they'll assign them to you. You collect goods to complete those quests. Like one person say, I need four uh, beast livers or seven demon tails. And then you're like, okay, I'll go do that and you go beat four beasts or seven demons and you get your livers and tails and you bring them to their respective people uh and then it does, they do get a little more complicated later on like one of them's like oh there's this guy that's there's a thief in a dungeon he's charming monsters to work for him or something like or to help him or something go deal with him They're, like there's different things but uh, then on top of that as you're doing all that you, can, you also are helping to revitalize the town through almost this farmville-esque i don't know how better to describe it it's like a real-time Street Pass powered Farmville ish thing, where basically the more resources you get, the more you can build and attack. You remove obstacles, you can put up new buildings, and that all happens in real time, like Farmville or many iOS games like Simpsons Tapped Out. And uh, so the more villagers you have, the faster those times are. And this is interestingly a very social aspect of the game. There's a lot of social aspects of the demo that I experienced that I was kind of surprised and didn't see coming. So, like this Farmville thing. The more people you street pass, the more residents in your village you have to help build the new stuff. You can have up to 20. Each one cuts the time, build time in half. So, like, if there's some stuff that's like, oh, 10 hours to build this shop. It's like, 10 hours? Are you kidding me? That you're a demo. And then, okay, sure, I street pass 10 people. That's, you know, so much less time now. So, the street pass I mean, stuff... you're not going to calculate it? No. Uh, well, let's see. 10 divided by... No, I'm Did not. Cut it in half. What? It's half each time. Yeah. So, it goes 10... It's like two minutes <laughs> less. I don't know. I'm not doing the math. It might not be half because I just realized how insane that is. But it's time chunks taken yeah. off for sure. So it's just like it's weird that they have this like very mobile device style aspect of it, which I didn't really touch. Like I had stuff running in the background while I did battles, but I didn't really like fully build out the town. Um, and so that's just one social aspect of it that kind of caught me off guard. The other is that uh, your 3DS friends are also very important. So in the demo, you have to street pass your 3DS friend in order to get all this stuff. In the final game, just connect them online and it works. But what it is, is that you can ba you can summon your friend's characters into your battles. So how it works is your friend will kind of pick uh, 
a specific attack for a character and kind of put that character out there, like set their character up to be downloaded or whatever. And when you're in a battle, you can literally use a move that summons your friend's character. They have a certain number of moves they can do before they disappear. And then there you go. You can use that character with that person's actual, you know, stats and whatnot. And everything that that person put into that character will go with the character to your system. So when you're finished the character, those resources, from my understanding, are depleted both in your game and in their game. Like, they donated it to you, essentially. Mm, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, I yeah, it has jumped... to be a 3DS friend for that feature. Yeah, Street I kind of and... just jumped into battles and um, with the story pretty bad. Yeah, the battle system's interesting. I'll get to my thoughts on that in a sec. And then, of course, feel free to chime in. But, sorry, I was, I was drinking some delicious water. Uh, but, yeah, the... Uh... The yeah the friend stuff is just interesting because not only do you have the uh, the ability to send your character somewhere else, but you can also have their characters' moves be equipped to your characters with a thing called a bill link. So ba- ability link, get it? A bill link. So basically, um, if they're further in the game, they can teach. They can have an advanced move that they can send to you to teach your character. So like there's this whole whole helping each other out thing, and like on top of the street pass, it's just like a very social game. Like so much of it is driven by. What your friend has, what your friend can do for you, how many friends you have. Like, a lot, it's just, I did not expect that at all. Like, RPGs are usually very, unless you're an MMO, they're very solitary experiences. It's you level grinding with your party of computer controlled characters, and that's basically it. Or maybe there's a co op, but that's like it. Yeah. This, however, it's like so interconnected and everything kind of blends, and you're all part of the same universe in a way. It's kind of cool. Didn't really get to experience a whole lot of that in the demo, but just the fact that that was there and explained, I was like, oh, this is actually a very interesting selling point that Nintendo hasn't really stressed until now. So, it's, it's it, I'd argue it's the most unique thing about the game. The battle system is the other big thing, but it feels, honestly, once you realize what very, it is... Very, very, very familiar. It's familiar with an extra layer of thing. It's an extra layer of strategy on top. And the thing is, when you first play it, you don't really feel like it's that big of a difference, but the more you get into the game, like I played a, the entire demo, and the more you get into the game, the more the battle system actually kind of comes into its own and is a very strategic thing and not just a normal RPG battle system. So how it works is it's called the there's Brave and Defaults. So what you can do is, uh, it's essentially a normal, for the most part, a normal RPG battle system. You can attack, you can summon ma- magic, you can do different things like summon your friend, but then you have these Brave and Defaults. So uh, if you choose to default, that means that you're going to skip a turn and you don't get an attack and you get a single brave point or BP. And you're blocking. And you're blocking. Block. Yeah, and you're blocking. So yeah. you get less damage received. The block that actually does something, I guess. Yeah, a good something. And, many time, and also the hit rate, the miss rate is much higher when you're in default. And then if you, uh, so then you earn BP points, which you can use to do brave. And what brave is, is basically perform multiple moves in a single turn. So you can, if you have three or four brave points, you can actually do like four moves in one turn, some of which are straight up attacks, some of which are magic, some of which may be healing a character, all in one go. So then it, be- it becomes kind of a like risk-reward system where you decide, do you want to default or do you want to brave? And to add another, you know, do you want to wait a turn and do two attacks the next turn? Or do you want to, and here's the other wrinkle in it, do two attacks this turn and then not be able to attack for two turns? Because it turns out with braves, which Nintendo didn't really stress much in the direct when they were talking about this, you can do, take advancements out, so to speak, as if it was like a loan, on brave points. So not many though, because I mean, not many, no. Yeah. But you can do a, you could be at zero brave points and then do a brave attack, you know, do a brave thing and do an extra attack or whatever to kill an enemy in that last second, and then you'll be at negative one brave points, which means you can't do another brave until you're back at zero. But 
you can continue attacking normally. So you can front load all your attacks and hope that the enemy's killed right away, or save up break points and do an onslaught of attacks later. And it gets to the point in the demo where you're tr you're chugging along, and you have so many break points if you choose to just you know uh, default 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 a bunch that you can literally just steamroll over enemies because you'll have like seven braves stored up, and you just go brave 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 and just like all in one move, all in one go, wipe out the enemy in one attack because the battles can be kind of long. Yeah. Which is actually a really nice thing that uh, I noticed is if you hit right on the D-pad, there's up to three, there's three different speeds. There's normal battle speed, fast battle speed, and then fast, fo like super fast, like two fast forward variants. And it's just like, it's so much faster when you do those. You can't really tell what's going on. I found the middle speed to be the best, but it is nice that they let you speed it up. Hmm. Um, and of course, Brave Point... I think Pokemon should... They should do that, yeah. Brave Points actually do one other thing worth knowing, and that's when you summon... Uh, each character has different jobs, different abilities. It's a very traditional RPG in that regard. And some of those abilities require Brave Points to do. So that becomes, if you default four times, oh, good, now you can do four of these more powerful attacks against a bigger enemy. So there's a whole other strategic component. And the more you like dive into this, that I know, what I notice is the more that you play it, the more you start to realize... This is almost like a strategy game. Like, RPGs have always been like, oh, I need to kind of outsmart the opponent. But this is almost like, it's almost becoming like a game of chess or even like Fire Emblem, where it's like, yeah, I just compared chess and Fire Emblem, where, uh, where it's really you have to think a couple moves ahead because you're doing things that will affect how you perform three moves down the road, whether it's more powerful, you know, whether it's you're more powerful, you can't really do much because you wasted all your brave points and are negatives now. Like, it, it gets complicated, and it's, it's, inter it's an interesting balance. Because the law of the beginning of the demo is really just like, hit attack, hit attack, hit attack. And that doesn't take any brave points or anything. But once you start setting up your characters with different ro uh, different jobs and assignments and everything, then the brave points start actually meaning a lot more. And then you really have to start being strategic with, all right, if I do this for this character, then that has to happen. And it doesn't help, or it does help. Each character has their own pool of brave points and defaults and everything. So basically, you're not just being strategic with your party as a unit. You're being strategic with all four characters. So it's four times the planning. So it's just like, it's not just, all right, this guy, you know, if I use my brave points, that's three turns from now, whatever. It's three turns from now for four different characters. So you're looking at like 12, you have to like think, all right, 12 things. All right, here we go. Like it's, it's fun, but, it, and it's definitely more of a strategy to it. But at the core level, it's really just a layer on top of a very traditional RPG. Pretty much how I see it. Mm -hmm. Very traditional, but and that's the thing. But, this, but but it has a lot of potential. Yeah, that's the thing. Is this is literally old school Final Fantasy in 3D. It's like they took Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 1, Final Fantasy 3, put this brave default system on top, which makes it almost a strategy game instead of just a straight up RPG. Put out some, put in some polygonal, you know, made some 3D renders, made some beautiful watercolor backgrounds, and then we're like, all right. It, let's call it not Final Fantasy, but it's essentially old school Final Fantasy revitalized. The the presentation, or at least like everything outside of the battle, reminds me a lot of Tales of Symphonia. Yeah, like the like overworld. Yeah, like well, the overworld, just because I mean everything is like tiny. And, yeah. Well, I guess that's how well, that's how it is in well, Final Fantasy well, One well, and well, Two. Well, I guess it's two of them, and then when you go inside a city, like the camera angles are fixated on certain points, and they, but they change. The best part is if you don't move for a second, the camera zooms out all the way on uh, the main town. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Norendi Village or whatever, it zooms out and the town is a giant clock with gears. Like, the entire town are gears that make up this huge clock in the middle. And it just looks really nice. Like, yeah, I, have to, they... I have to give them credit. The art style they chose is really cool. Yeah, it does look really nice. Yeah, they did a cool... What the, Basically what it is is all the characters and, like, the foreground stuff is in, in 3D polygons, including the enemies, and, like, random objects in the foreground. But then the backgrounds, uh, like the cities, the buildings, the skies, all that looks to be hand-drawn, almost watercolored. 
and they kind of superimpose them so it's like they're layered. So there'll be like street lamps that are layered in front of buildings, but the street lamp and the building will be clearly, very clearly hand-drawn elements. Yeah. So And then you walk in between them as a 3D character. So it's, just, it's a very cool style, and it looks it looks really good. And the music is actually pretty decent, too. It fits well with the style. It's a, it's a nice game. I can see why Nintendo's trying to hype it so much. Um, with that said, uh, there is one thing that isn't in the demo that's worth mentioning that greatly affects battle as well, and those are the sleep points, which we talked about a little before. But basically, they let you power up attacks more. And the thing with sleep points is um, you only get them when you put the 3DS in sleep mode with the game running, and this is for like hours at a time. And what's interesting is that seems to be a very big component of the game in general is real-time stuff. Like I mentioned with the Farmville aspect with the town building, that's real-time. Yes, you can speed it up with street pass, street passes, but it's still real-time. Sleep points, real-time. Like, it seems like, in many ways, Square Enix, who developed the game, almost seems to have taken the concepts of, like, a Facebook game or an iOS game, like, you know, Farmville, Simpsons Tapped Out, and applied them to a traditional 90, early 90s-style RPG. And they gave it some watercolors and called it a day. Like, it, it's definitely an interesting hybrid of the two. The core game is, from what I can tell from the demo, is 100% old-school Final Fantasy, but then all the layers on top of it are, like, new ideas and new implementations of and adaptations of other concepts from other games. Like, other real-time games. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting. Um, there, did you notice that there's a day-night system as well? No. If you stand in the overworld long enough, it uh, it'll not even that long. It'll turn to night. That's how you do the Demon Tail second quest. Um, and for those who didn't know how to turn it to night, and the city looks really nice lit up. Like they colored in all the windows and like the clock has some lights. It kind of reminds me of the lighting effects in Rhythm Thief. Oh yeah. Yeah, where it has that like, kind of glow to it. It's it's cool. They did a good job. But uh, I only experienced the game during the day. Right. Because you just because you were just running around doing as much as you could, yeah, opposed to seeing and watching the sunset. Oh yeah, I was just running around just trying to get a lot of battles in. Right, just and get it, a feel. Then it took me a way to yeah, it took me some time to figure out. Okay, I'm just attacking. Like, oh, there's the braze and there's mm-hmm. the default system and. Yeah, the demo does not hold your hand at all. It literally mm-hmm. just taught like there are pop up dialogue boxes that explain things, but for the most part, it's just like figure it out, <laughs> which is fine. I, I mean, like that's why um, I feel like with me, like when I played it down for the first ten minutes, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I like this. But then after the first 10 minutes, I started to get a feel for the battle system and start to, you know, assign my characters to different classes, like ninja, or jobs, I guess. Like, one's a ninja. That's pretty cool. But, um, and another's a Valkyrie. But yeah, and then it started to kind of click a bit more, and it, it made sense. Um, it is worth mentioning, you don't really notice in the demo, but there's a bit of a brouhaha about this. Um, the Western version of Bravely Default, both here in America and in Europe, is actually censored in some ways compared to the Japanese original. Because in Japan, obviously, they have different cultural values. For example, there are some characters that are 15 in the Japanese version and make some weird sexual innuendos in the dialogue and stuff. So here in the States, they raise the character's age to 18 to you know avoid the pedophilia, essentially. And uh, in Japan, there's some characters wearing very low-cut, very risque, very high skirts, you know, lots of... Lots of clothing that would get a harsher rating here in the States and not be as kid-friendly, so Nintendo threw a little more clothing on them just to, you know, keep the parents happy. Wasn't that also the case with Fire Emblem? That was the case with Fire Emblem, but with Fire Emblem, people didn't think it was necessary. This one, there's a girl in, like, fishnet stockings and a skirt that literally doesn't even reach her thigh, and they, (laughs) Nintendo censored it. So, I can see why. And, like, Fire Emblem, it was, they, like, I think it was a skirt that they just elongated for no reason. Like, it was already at her knee, and they just went all the way to her pants or something Mm -hmm. like that. I don't quite remember. But, yeah, so it's worth... You know, I don't think it's a big deal whatsoever compared to some other censorship Nintendo's done in the past just because, like, 
one, it was involving underage kids talking about sex. That's odd. And two, it was, you know, they were making it more digestible by a slightly bigger audience. So I don't think it's as bad as some of the other stuff they've yeah, done. They but some people on the doesn't web... doesn't really sound that care. big of a deal. It's not like it's changing the story or anything. Yeah, but some people on the web, somewhat understandably, were freaking out. So I just thought we yeah. should probably mention it. But yeah, overall, I mean, what did you think of the demo? I think I played it more than you, but what was your takeaway? Like, are you going to get this game or is it not your cup of tea or... Mm, I don't think I'm going to get it. It was good. I, I enjoyed the demo, but it doesn't seem like something I would enjoy right now. Yeah, you know, even though I was kind of... It almost sounded like I was gushing a bit about the battle system but it's really like it was fun i don't but i don't know i, I guess i like um i'm more of a person that enjoys um real time tales of symphonia yeah like tales of symphonia mario rpg like those kind of things like paper mario is probably the furthest i would push it right that kind of battle system right where at least you're doing stuff in the midst yeah, of the battle like, to stay know, active yeah, yeah i like the the staying active part yeah that's the that's thing why i really love tales of symphonia but right yeah but this one is like i mean I could this is almost feel. too old school for you yeah 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 yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat because, I mean, I've said on the show before, but I prefer more linear experiences, and this is as open-ended as they come. Like, I have played the original Final Fantasy. I own <laughs> Too it. many options. Too much to do. I don't want this much for my money. But, no, they. I have uh, I have played the original Final Fantasy 1 and 2, the Game Boy Advance port that they released. I got that for, like, 10 right. bucks once, and I played it. I mean, they are fun games, but I've come to realize that I, too, either prefer a more active battle system or something like Pokemon where it's just... There's more to it, I guess. Yeah, Pokemon is probably the the big exception to that rule. Yeah. But it's I, I still consider it pretty active just because there's always um, the switching out aspect and right mind game. Oh, it's also well every it's RPG people, is people mind games. People versus people. I'm not really playing against a computer. That's true. It's a very different game. That is true. But uh, so yeah, I think my I think my stance with Bravely Default is it's definitely for people who are into this game, and I have played these games, so I can under, like I feel like it's I can safely say it. for you. it's great. Like the battle system, like just. The extra level of depth involved in the Brave and Default system adds enough that it's like it's not just oh you're going through the motions of an, of picking attacks. It really it really becomes kind of a strategy game, more so than most RPGs. And I think that's a really nice element. Puts a new spin on things. It looks great. It's a really nice throwback to old school JRPGs. Like it's just a really well done game. With that said, I'm not sure if it's something I would immediately buy at launch, but that's me personally. Um, I can see if you got an email. Oh my email. Attention, everyone. Jose got an email. Uh, that wasn't your computer. I've always wondered the few times we've had it glitch where an email would go, an email sound goes off like that. Do people listening go, oh, do I get an email and look at their phone or laptop I or whatever really, they're listening really on? I really doubt it. I don't, because if you're sitting with headphones on, on your computer, that makes that email sound. Let's say you have a Mac, and then that sound comes in through our podcast. Once you go, oh, I got an email, because your computer makes the same sound anyway. Good point. I'll put it this way <laughs> I've listened back to our podcast before, and I've heard the email alert. We, we try our best. Not to do it, obviously, but occasionally you forget to silence something. And Jason. I heard you just now, <laughs> and I heard I heard the sound play back, and I actually switched to my email window, and I was like, wait, did I get an email? And then I was like, oh, no, never mind. So, apologies to anyone that we've duped over the last 61 episodes. We got you good. We sure got you. <laughs> you guys are suckers. Anyway, um, but what I was going to say about Bravely Default is, for what is it super good, I just don't know if personally it's the type of game I want necessarily buy right away. If it gets stellar reviews, I may change my mind because I do. I am open to genre. I've played it before. I like it. It's just not my specific cup of tea. Like I'd prefer a slightly more linear, more active experience. But which might be why I like a Link Between Worlds so much. But because um, it's a more linear Zelda. But yeah, it's just one of those things that honestly, play the demo for yourself. These impressions we just gave you for the last fifteen minutes are worthless. You might as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> not really. But uh, you might as well see for yourself and see if you like it. But I can say if you are a fan of that genre, you will love it. As someone who's dabbled in it, I can safely say you will definitely love it. It's really good. And the production value is great. And there's AR stuff involved. You can even do the AR stuff in the demo, which is kind of nice. Um, there's like an AR mode, and then you can go to Bravely Default's website, go to a special page, point your 3DS ad, and it triggers the AR. So, so yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if that's your thing. I um, concur. It'll be out February 7th on 3DS. There's both a standard edition and a collector's edition that comes with an art book and something like 47 different AR cards or something. I believe that retails for $50 as opposed to the usual $40 for a 3DS game. So yeah, be on the lookout for that if, it, if you're interested. Um, it comes with a soundtrack as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it for Bravely Default. That wraps up the parties of episode 61, Party Time. But it certainly doesn't conclude our impressions. We have two more games to get through. And that is Wii Sports Club's new Golf, which launched just recently, and Rush. So, uh, Wii Sports Club Golf. Now, Jose, I feel like you've played this one more than me. It's fun. Cool. Alright, there you have it, folks. Wii Sports (laughs) Club Golf. It's fun. (laughs) Honestly, the addition of the gamepad actually adds a lot to it. You would not think so. Yeah, I really like the fact it just feels much more naturally. Not that I want it to feel as natural as possible, but I don't know, it just... Feels really right. Just like looking down, adjusting your hit, making practice swings, and it's funny because I know, it's really cool. Even like the little touches, like when you hit it really hard, and sometimes like go like scrape some of the the grass off. Oh, right. It's, it's really fine. Cool. It's fine because the way Nintendo's been pitching it, at least to me, is always like, "Hey, now you can see the terrain." And it's like, and it's like the terrain, and see that sand? You couldn't see that before. And your point, like you know, didn't seem like that big of a deal. But then when we were playing it together, we were doing uh, the classic course. And it really adds a lot. I mean, like you were saying, you could see how you aim and everything, but it's not just that. It's like previously with Wii Sports Golf, you were, uh, you know, you're looking at the TV to make your swing. So you could swing kind of willy-nilly with the Wiimote. It doesn't matter how you're aiming or anything. You can just sort of swing, and if you swing straight, it'll go straight. If you swing with a curve, it'll curve, but it doesn't really matter what you're facing or anything. But now you literally have the golf experience in your living room entirely because you have to line up with that ball on the touchscreen. You have to line, like you said, you have to make sure your shot is lined up. You have to do practice swings to make sure you get the right angle. Everything, it just feels like the complete experience. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, yes, you could do all those same things before on the regular Wii version, but you're seeing it from like a third person perspective, and I mean, it, it just feels more of a game. There's no, there's no it feels, it feels physicality more, to it. Yeah, it feels more video gamey, which is kind of weird right. to say that. I it mean, is, yeah. it is, I know, but it's but, way more, there's, it's missing the physicality that it now has. It's as close as you can get to playing golf in your house yeah. without actually playing golf in your house. And it's just super satisfying to swing on the gamepad. It flies off the gamepad and you look at TV and it's midair. It's like, yeah, I really did swing it from the gamepad to the TV. Like, it seems gimmicky, but you start to realize as you're using it that the terrain inclusion Sure, that's an extra of it, but the main thing that's so cool about it is the fact that you have the ball right there and you're aiming at that ball, not at a mysterious object on the ground of your choosing. This may well be the definitive way to play golf games on. I think it is, and because of all this, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but PGA, whatever, didn't come to the Wii U. Yeah, I know. Well, PGA Tour took a break this year, I think. There was no PGA Tour game this year. They dropped Tiger Woods from the series, and they're rebooting for next year, I believe. Well, Well, this past year, 2013. 2014. Hopefully they, they look at what... 
was done with this and then they could go all out with the graph because i mean the graphics are still kind of like i mean yeah it's an hd but the trees yeah. look like n64 no the, no, the no, no, no. Give them credit. no 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 go look at an n64 game give these guys credit the trees are trees n64 the, have you seen the trees n64 They're just like, trees hold they, on n64 they, they look like trees. they grabbed like three or four sheets of paper and just like stuck it right like, but at least the paper has individually cut out leaves n64 trees it's literally a wall of green texture that's completely no, flat, well, and then a second wall of green texture that maybe has a branch coming out. That's of it. how they are in the. No, this yeah, one. Yes, this they one are. they have individual yes, they leaves are. at least. No, not even. They're just flat. They're like the trees in. Um... Are you sure? I'll put it this way: Wii Sports well, on think, the well, Wii well, had good leaf had good leaf graphics. I can't believe we're getting to the point where we're talking about leaf graphics. <laughs> we should we fine, should fine. call this episode the leaf graphic episode. Fine, fine. I should have said it like this: When I think of trees from the N sixty four, I think of Super Mario sixty four trees where they're just like kind the of the pine round. cones. Or yeah. the pine cones. And like I don't know, they just they, they look like or not pine cones as opposed to just cylinders, um, flat textures. Okay, I'll give you that. Which is pretty much what all trees have come on all the Wii games. Like that's what trees have come to, you guys. They're flat now. We have right. reached an era it, of it, flat it, it, it trees. It bothered me in Skyward Sword <laughs> for some reason. Like just looking at the trees, like oh god, they just look like yeah. like no, I completely like agree. Paper trees, trees, trees do look like that in a lot of games. It kind of it kind of takes you out of the of the game. But yeah. I feel like Club wasn't that like, bad. I agree that uh. The HD is barely there. Like, oh, the grass is grassier. But it still feels very Wii Sports. But the trees... The trees I think you're being overly harsh on the poor trees. Uh, I guess Go green. The, support the trees. I guess I guess the trees have bothered me a little too much. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, I mean, they are they are definitely not fully rendered. I, I guess compared to everything else, I guess they just stood out more to me. And they're just like, really? To your credit, they are definitely flat textures. But they at least have holes in them between the leaves. <laughs> like, older games would be just green blotches of green so but uh no it wasn't the the whole the bottom was just the flatness no i'm saying that's what i'm saying at least these have holes in between the leaves to make it look like separate leaves in older games it would literally be like here's a green thing going off to the side just assume it's a bunch of leaves you know what i mean the art style could look pretty cool yeah yeah anyway (laughs) leaves leaves we should leave this topic of leaves i agree but no uh golf in general just uh uh, have you tried online? With golf, no. Yeah, I feel like the thing that's online... The Miiverse? I well, I was going to say online mode, first of all, and then we can talk about Miiverse, which I think is handled Honestly, they did so not even well. assume there was an online mode for golf. Of course golf. there's an online mode. No, I mean, I'm sure there is, but it didn't occur to me. I just thought, the oh, the thing is, friends. yeah, the thing is, because we've all played together when you first... Like, that's how we first all experienced Wii Sports Golf, was as a group, and um, all of us, all two of us talking right now, the whole group of the two of us, um, and we, like, the... The thing I noticed was we we play. There's 18 holes. There's nine classic, nine based on the golf U.S. game for Famicom, Famicom, and uh, what I noticed with the game is obviously it's golf, so it's very slow paced. And if you're not very good at golf, and this game needs you to be good because it's so like realistic, like the way you have no, to hit the ball. I'm not you good actually at real golf or virtual right. golf, but I still have it's still fun. It. But my point is like you will take a while to complete a hole, quite a while. If you hit over six, it's just like you suck and quit it makes you quit but um not exaggerating it does make you quit it makes you go to the next hole but the you know if you're doing that online that takes a very long time if it's you and a guy that aren't that great you could be playing online against this one person forever so i feel like i feel like Wii sports golf much like mario party island tour was is kind of better when you're with a group of friends yes online is nice and definitely worth having if you're by yourself and want to play golf against someone but when you're with friends, you can kind of poke fun at how bad the swing is or, you know, that sort of thing, which you can't easily do in the online mode since you can only talk through pre-written Miiverse messages. 
it's not like tennis or bowling where when I was talking about those games a few episodes ago, I was like, yeah, it's like you can literally have a conversation with only three different messages because, you know, you make a nice shot, you say, yeah, the guy's like, nice job, you say, thanks, like it works. But with golf, because you're with the person for so long, you kind of run out of things to, way, different ways to express your same three pre-written me-verse <laughs> messages. So it kind of loses, I feel like golf maybe isn't as smart of a online experience. I mean, it's fine, but maybe isn't as wise to play online as tennis or bowling is. Bowling also suffers from this, but to a lesser extent. But at least that's my take online. The thing I do like about online, which you mentioned, Jose, is the Miiverse integration. Um, actually, I think it's really great. Because, you know, it's always like, you're playing tennis, you're playing bowling, it'll tell you things based on what you do a little. Like, if you score a point in tennis, it'll be like, yeah! You know, some someone that wrote a positive message, it'll appear. If you miss a shot in tennis, there'll be a generic you can do better message, you know, like, better like next time that someone wrote. Like, you can kind of tag them around that. Bowling, you can do around strikes and whatnot. But because with golf, there's so many different things that happen. You can score an eagle, a birdie. You can score, uh, you know, you can get a hole-in-one. You can do, uh, uh, what am I thinking bogey. of? Bogey. Double Thank bogey. you. Yeah, double bogey, triple bogey, plus six. And each of these different actions you can get result in, have their own tagged me-verse messages. So you can very you can write a specific message for a specific thing that you know a player could specifically do. Tennis, it's a vague, yeah, you got a point. Bowling, it's like, oh, you got a strike, you got a spare, or you just hit some pins. It's not like you can be like, oh, you hit three pins? That's good, but could be better. But this one, like, the messages were so on point when they popped up after you got that hole-in-one, after you got that birdie, after you got that bogey, that it just, it felt really, it really felt like you had an audience of people's knees, like, watching and commenting. Like, it was cool. I'm probably over... I mean, I'm a social media junkie, so this interconnected stuff, most people are like... Like you said, you didn't yeah, even I, notice I, it. Yeah, I didn't think it was that cool. I you didn't even see it. I was like, did you see the Miiverse stuff? When we were talking about this before I the episode. I thought the gameplay, but I'm like, I didn't really care too it, much Yeah, but it. it pops up on the TV, too. And I was like, oh, like yeah. when it happened, like I got a birdie in one of them. I'm like, oh, cool, I got a birdie. And then the game's like, nice bird. Like, one person's like, nice birdie. And then someone else is like, that's a great birdie. I'm like, how do they know? <laughs> it was oh. just... I just thought it was really cool, but I'm, I mean, I'm a social media junkie, so, yeah, pretty much, I'm like, oh, they know what I'm doing, oh, but no, it's, uh, I thought it was cool, I think stuff like that is where Miiverse really shines, where it's just, like, people are able to connect about certain specific aspects of games, you know, even if it's not in real time, it's just, like, an asynchronous connection, where someone wrote it days ago, but now you get the benefit of someone being like, nice shot, it's, it's cool, I like it. I'm clearly desperate for attention and approval for anyone that's willing to give it to me, even when it's a me of a guy from New Jersey that I've never met. Clearly, that's my problem. I'm desperate for attention. Wow. My ego is only able to stay at a normal human level when I get likes in, on Instagram. That may not be a lie, or it may. You know, I'll let you figure it out for yourself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, Wii Sports Golf overall, I think, for me, I thought it was, I thought it was really great. Like it's, It really is the definitive video game golf experience, like you said, Jose. Yeah, I would recommend it. Maybe for ten bucks. For it. Oh, I get it. But yeah, and it's just like it's just so perfect how the gamepad works. This is the original vision of the gamepad from two and a half years ago, where Nintendo put it on the ground at the E3 video and was like, "Here's look, you could swing with golf." And now here it is, two and a half year, years later, and it's exactly as promised. And it's awesome. So yeah, I say go for it. He says go for it. We're both making the same golf pun. Let's move on to our last game, which is all you, Jose, and that's Rush for the Wii U eShop. I won't try to rush it, but it is. Nah. That was me acknowledging your pun. But I will. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave me the evilest look. I'm sorry I fake laughed at your bad pun. 
it's a really, it's a small game. It's a puzzle game, just like um, Edge. It's also another cube-based game, so I guess some two is obsessed with cube-based games. Or it's also the easiest polygonal game to possibly make. Wait, what's cu- what's two tribes other cube game? Edge. Oh, you said that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought for a second I thought you're talking about Edge, and I was like, wait, no, but you're talking about Rush. Because ah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I think of like, oh, what's like the easiest graphically game they can make, and just make it all cubes. Yep. But honestly, this game looks really, really good. Like the cubes are all like brightly colored and when you see them all moving in like, like what I'm assuming is 60 frames per second is because it's so smooth mm-hmm. it looks graphically really really nice and all these and like, it's 1080p yeah not very many Wii games are full 1080p this game um, is controlled entirely um, with the game well I guess I should say exclusively on the gamepad I mean you can kind of see it on the TV but the game emphasizes that you play it on the gamepad so you don't really look at the TV at all if anything uh-huh. you can play the game without the TV right but um if you played um the new what's in what was the uh, the Minis game on the 3ds called? March of March Minis. No, Minis on the Move. Minis on the Move. All right, if you play Minis on the Move, there's a mini game in there that's the Peach one, where pretty much you have to get Peach to the goal by laying tiles out, and once you lay out all the pre pre given tiles out, yeah, um, you let her go, and if you make it to the goal, you win. So it's pretty much that concept just blown up to having controlling multiple cubes and having to worry about multiple things at the same time. Oh, so... So, so they give you different arrows. Like, you pretty much get, like, a giant floating platform. It's just, like, a real estate of, like, I don't know, let's say 20 by 10 feet. Right. Square feet. Right. And then they give you, like, okay, we're going to give you three left arrows, three right arrows, one curvy arrow, and, there's all, and to solve the puzzle, you have to use all arrows, and they all have to be placed in the exact position, and as soon as you hit go, the cubes start moving. And they always move straight, and if they hit a wall, they move to the right. So okay. you have to figure out exactly where to position the cube so they land on their exit point. Right. Do they each have different exit points? Is it like yeah. color-coded? Yeah, it's, it's color-coded. So they, you have to get the orange one to the orange one, the right. blue to the blue, and so on. And most of the time, um, you'll have multiple multiple cubes going out at the same time. And if any of them collide at any point, you automatically lose. So the point is you just have to find the correct spot. There's, only, there's, always one answer, there's only one solution for each problem, obviously. Uh-huh. So, I guess there isn't much replayability as far as going back to the puzzle. And since the puzzle doesn't really start, I mean, since the solution doesn't start until you hit the play button, since you have as much time as you want selecting the panels, right. there isn't really much of a trial run. It's just once you know the answer, you know the answer. So, it's ju- so in that case, it's just like the Peach main game in uh, yeah. Maze on the Move. It just has um, more ways of getting difficult. Because right. um, this one, I guess, since it's... And cubes. Lots of cubes. Yeah. Since um, it could support more cubes at once, and it's obviously on a more powerful system, and mm-hmm. it was on PC, um, sometimes you have multiple layers, so you have the cubes falling through different layers of things, you have teleporters getting involved, you have many different kinds of um, panels that maybe make them switch directions, or have them just like slow down in speed, just so right. one another cube could cross by so they don't collide. So there's a lot of those factors going on at once. So it's, it's a really fun puzzle game. It's one of those puzzle games that you do like maybe two or three puzzles at a time when uh-huh. you have like ten minutes to spare. And that's How many it. puzzles are there in there? There's a lot. There's over like forty. Oh, and I it, mean, and it was only like it was less than three bucks. It's like two bucks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it well, for two fun. bucks, forty puzzles is pretty good, especially if the production values are that high. I don't know, like. There's some puzzles that are really simple, but they have like, um, usually for the most part, when you hit play, even though you have the answer in the cube travels from the blue cube spawner to the exit um they usually have like 10 blue cubes just running the course and then you have yellow cubes running the course in another direction yeah so it's just a sight to behold watching like 30 cubes run across the screen 
barely missing each other and not colliding and all right. going into their panel. It just looks good. And you knowing that you basically made it so yeah, that they just, would not collide. Yeah. It's just it's a really fun, simple puzzle game that just gets a little harder. It's like push mode. Like they start easy, right. get harder. Like, right, yeah. right. And I mean, hey, at this point, with with what Two Tribes was recently going through, it doesn't hurt to throw yeah, two I bucks mean, and get a good game out of it. Yeah, I mean, for the price, like, you have no reason not to buy it unless you really hate puzzle games. That's really it. <laughs> and if you hate puzzle games, who are you? They don't like... Who get, doesn't like any sort of... Pu- I mean, everything... They don't like, their, they don't like to get their brains... But everything, challenged. in a way, is a puzzle game, if you think yeah. about it. We could get really mean, deep and philosophical here, but everything right. in life is a puzzle that's just waiting to be solved. I should write fortune cookies. Or... Green cards. Oh, I would hate that. Getting a fortune. Oh, I would too. I got a fortune the other day. That is day. not a fortune. No, I got one the other day that's like, sometimes your shadow's in front of you. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> How's that a fortune? I don't know what having my shadow... Yes, when the sun's behind me, my shadow's in front of me. You are correct. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Someone out there that's listening like, well, clearly it means I, this. I think I'm, it means like, sometimes like, oh, when you're in the shadow of another person, it's like... You're trying to be like them, but if your shadow's in front of you, that means the person's trying to be you ends up being better than you somehow. How's that fortune for you? Just saying someone it, can best you. No, it's, it's not. I'm just trying to oh, figure um, out what it is. I can think of it sometimes. It, I can't think of anything. Back to uh, Rush. We have Nintendo where we discuss fortune cookies. We have Nintendo where we talk about leaf graphics and fortune <laughs> cookies. Brought to you by Little Bites. Like last episode. No, it's not. We, we, don't, have, we don't have any intimate Little Bites. And just in case anyone doubted it. drinking a Kirkland water bottle. I am drinking the fine... H2O goodness of Kirkland Signature Drinking Water. Available at a Costco near you in a variety of sizes and a variety of quantities. Whether you need 500, 5,000, or 5 million, those packets are all available. You want one? Tough. The minimum's 500. Kirkland. No, but anyway, Rush. Uh, oh, well, they also make sausage chewy. They make everything. Kirkland's their in-house brand. So you should yes, get- I also have a granola bar here, which I've not eaten. We're not going into my, what's, on my, what's on the table. And that's why you should get Rush. And that's why you should get Rush, because Kirkland, Leaf Physics, I mean Leaf Graphics, and Fortune Cookies About Shadows. That's why you should get Rush. And no, if, actually, it does sound like a really fun game. And if, you, and if you beat Rush, you might as well get Edge. It's another cube-based game that we From two talked tribes. about, though. Yeah, we yeah. talked about Edge, ooh, uh, how many episodes ago? I think ep- the, the I guess A Link Between Worlds episode? Episode 59, possibly? Go look through our archive for Edge, or better yet, if you just look up... Uh, we don't have a search on the site. Never mind. <laughs> well, we're going to be adding a search to the site at some point in the future. And if you remember at that time to type in Edge, you'll get it. Uh, but no, it's... Yeah, the thing with those Tokitori... Those two tribe games, all of them, from Tokitori to, to Rush to Edge to Tokitori 2, is that... Uh, specifically, Rush and Edge is they're cheap and good. Tokitori 2 is good as well. Tokitori 1 is good as well, but they're a bit more expensive. Tokitori 1 is cheap because it's a port. 2 is a bit more expensive. But, um, you know, they're good, they're cheap if you need a quick pick, em up, pick up and play. I should all of them in the main menu, with the exception of Tokitori 2, Cross all, promote. Have, all have the option to take you to the eShop to buy Tokitori 2+. Plus. Yeah, because they're pushing to... I mean, we talked about it earlier in the show. Yeah. Two Tribes, Tokitori 2 did not quite sell as well as they're hoping. Even and they poured it, so but, many yeah. resources. <laughs> yeah, well, the game's not going to detect the save file. I mean, it's kind of like uh, NES Remix, which we talked about last episode. It has eShop links for every virtual console game on the eShop that's in NES Remix. I don't think those links disappear when you buy the game. I think they're there forever, haunting you. No. Just telling you that you, Nintendo wants more and more of your money. But yeah, so, uh, so Rush, you'd recommend, especially at that price? Yep. Cool, so that is... That's actually... We had pretty... Go out there quickly and buy it. 
Rush, oh, 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 you did an, a, ne, a neg, negative pun. Ne, not a pun. I don't know what to call that. <laughs> All right. And, <laughs> uh, and with that, that is the signal that's time to wrap up the show. Um, I do want to mention before we go, I had a deal with listener, with you guys, the listeners, that I would have to beat The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, for the Nintendo 3DS, before the end of 2013. On the evening... Of December of Monday, December thirtieth, twenty thirteen. That goal was achieved, as promised. I have a Meverse post on my Meverse to back up the claim. So go to Meverse. You can find me under Jason R and see it for yourself. And I can be like, Yeah, that's right, I did it. And you can be like, You know, I really didn't care. I was just trying to win twenty bucks in eShop. Yeah, you guys should have picked on Mario 3D World. That game turns out that one was longer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, turns out that ended up being the more difficult one. Who would have thought? And it lost by like two to one. Uh, also, if you if you don't want to go Meverse and see the proof, I tweeted the proof. JSR7 is my Twitter handle. While you're there, feel free to follow me, friend me on either service. Same with uh, Jose. You can follow our friend Tim. He's Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O on both. But yeah, I just, on both Twitter and Meverse. But yeah, I just wanted to emphasize, I did meet my goal. So sorry, that means no secondary $10 eShop giveaway for this reason. Doesn't mean we're not going to do a giveaway in the future. Best way to know if we ever do a giveaway again, of course, is to stay tuned to the site. You can follow us on Twitter, at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Uh, just search us. We're there. And then you won't miss an episode. And you definitely shouldn't miss an episode because there's some interesting stuff coming up. Next episode will be live on January 20th. Well, not live, but it will be online on January 26th. And we're going to have full impressions of Chibi Robo Photo Finder for the 3DS, which I cannot wait to play. I love Chibi Robo. And we're also going to be, as I mentioned previously, discussing uh, the new MPD numbers for Nintendo's December holiday sales performance and analyzing how that go- you know how that went for them and what it means. And we'll get the latest news, and you never know what else we might cover. So definitely tune in for that. Also, be sure to keep an eye on the site or just to- or on our Twitter feed for uh, continuing extras, which we do every week. There's not a podcast. We have an extra, so in those in-between weeks. The latest one was a look back at the year of Luigi, which just wrapped up at the end of 2013 for the most part. And the article uh, is called The Year of Luigi That Was, and we kind of, you know, we reflect on the big games, and we reflect on the loot, that the Luigi loot they're giving away, and, and speculate a little about what Nintendo might do for 2014, be it Year of Yoshi, Year of Donkey Kong, who knows? So check out the extra. Um, feel free to leave a comment and share your favorite Year of Luigi memory. And, uh, yeah, that pretty much does it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll see you once again on January 26th for our next one.